What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, Buffalo Fanatics? Josh Allen here. Just wanted to say, uh, go Bills. Yo! What is up? Buffalo Fanatics. Oh, oh, Rico, Thursday afternoon, because why not? Welcome in to the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel for a Thursday afternoon edition of the Smoke Break and the Rico Report collabed into one here for you to help get the weekend started right rico brother let's go ladies and gentlemen smash the black on. we didn't even plan it we didn't even plan it how about it what's happening brother how about it listen fellas smash that like ladies if you guys are watching smash that like get the algorithms cooking you know what i'm saying get these people in here because it's not your typical rico report not your typical you ever say a smoke break it's a, it's a nice collab i mean that's my guy right there z by no we're not just gonna hit on bill's talk Bill's talk is cool, right? You guys like Bill's talk, but we are all fans of the game, fans of the NFL. We always tune into what's going on right now. You got Tom Brady reversing time, becoming Benjamin Button, running the forty time, beating his whole mark. How about that? I don't. Well, know you you want to know? I don't. You want to know why it just came out? He knew that apparently, Giselle was it the wife. Okay, Giselle. I guess he knew she was with whoever she's with now. You know, obviously they were divorced. Yes, yes, that's right. Whoever she's with now, though, apparently I read this was her trainer while they were married. So I feel like Tom's just all of a sudden he's not playing. He's got to find something to go out and just it just continue to dominate, right? And this it might have been a reason why. What is it about the a breakup? What is it about a split that when you're with your person. I mean, we get it. We're comfortable. Right. We, we kind of let ourselves kind of chill out and relax. But the minute heartbreak happens, we hit the gym like you wouldn't believe. We want to be the best versions of ourselves. Yes. We got Tom Brady turning back. Is it because Giselle maybe is motivated or motivated, motivating him to get to get better in shape? But also, I think it's also... Every time they do that side by side, you got Pat Mahomes saying, "Please do not use my side by side when you guys are doing the forty time." I know my forty was it blue, 
but they always use Tom Brady's 5.12 or whatever the hell it was as a screen. So he's like, he's sick of it. I'm going to better myself and I'm going to be running like a freaking gazelle because Giselle <laughs> is out here with the trainer. And you, what people to cheat with? You got to cheat with a trainer. That's the easy one. Look, I don't know. I don't know about you. I've never, I've never knock on wood, unless Carol wants to just blow our whole lives up, which wouldn't be <laughs> ideal. I've never been cheated on. So I don't know what that's like, but oh, I got to imagine if I went down that road involuntarily, uh, it, w- it would probably make me want to go and, and start running a, a couple 40s or two for no reason. I don't Listen, know. I don't know what that would do for, to me. You don't want to get cheated. It's not, it's not the nicest. It's not the nicest feeling to, to know that. I mean, it humbles you. It absolutely humbles you. It makes you feel like, you know what? Everybody can get touched. <laughs> Everybody can get touched. It's when you don't see it coming, you're like, oh, and yeah. I listen, I've been in that position where I was like, ooh, that's what it feels like. You don't want to eat. You don't want to talk to anybody. Yeah. You want to just bury yourself and say, and as a man, you're like, okay, I'm giving myself a week or two weeks of a pity party, if you will. And you get you get back on your 10 toes and get going. And yeah. boy, when you get when you get back on your feet, though, it could be a messy. It could be very messy. You get out yeah, there. You and you I mean, I feel like you have to. You become for the streets. <laughs> you become for the streets. You don't want to become for the now, streets. Now, speaking yeah, of Tommy Boy, have you, I don't know if you've been watching the Dynasty on Apple TV, the new documentary no. about the Patriots. Look, it is very good, unfortunately. The it's very good. So it's a documentary done by... I forget the name. It might have been the guy who wrote. There was a book that came out about the Patriots. I think it might have had a had something to do with that that guy. But it's it's very well done. Everybody's in the interview chair. Belichick, Brady, Josh McDaniels, Kraft, Kraft's son, Randy Moss, Brewski, like like personnel guys that you don't even know who the hell they are. Like. And it's just starting to get into the last episode left off with the 18 and 0 Randy Moss team that lost to the Giants with the what whole, a team that was. Oh, dude, you like I the reason I'm loving it is because it, they're doing a really good job of like, if you really love the Patriots, you'll enjoy it. And if you hate the Patriots, you'll equally you'll enjoy still it. enjoy it. Yes, because <laughs> they're showing you both angles. They're really starting to get into the deflate gate. I was about to say spy gate situation. Apparently Bill Belichick feels like he's not being represented very well in this. I don't notice that, but just goes to show you kind of how it's not just a Patriots parade for this entire documentary, but you go back and watch how this all became and I'm sitting there as a Bills fan, and I got to tell you, I'm almost inspired in a sense of thinking this was the most improbable. Like, you you look at the Patriots now, and you – this because I was born right around the time this dynasty started. My whole life was the Patriots dynasty. Oh. But I never had known the, the eras in which the Patriots were terrible. So you watch kind of how this all came to be, and you sit there as a Bills fan, and you're almost like – it really just takes one dash of magic, one spark, and, and everything can light up because that's all this was. And you're watching it through the lens of Drew Bledsoe, whose life essentially had to be the casualty for this dynasty to start. It's nuts, dude. But the whole entire thing 
from the beginning to how it happens, it, 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 it almost as much as you despise the fact it was them, you sit there and you're like, it really just takes a little bit of luck here, a dash of this there, and boom, you're the greatest team for the last 20 years and no one knows how the hell you did it. It's amazing because like if you're old enough to, to see how it began, it just it's Drew Bledsoe, man. You, yeah. you, you almost Patriots fans have to be saying thank you, Drew. You, you did it. And then Drew tried to give it back to them by signing with the Bills. I said, you know what? It ain't over yet. I'm and Lawyer Malloy. Both of them. Lawyer like, yeah, at the same time. <laughs> so, don't you remember they immediately beat the shit out of the Patriots? The Bills. That's when they won 31 to nothing. I remember that game. Yeah. It's it's embedded in me. Pat I Williams, was, I was, right? I was at work. And I was I was beside myself because I was able to I wasn't able to like really watch the game. And at the job at the time, I think I had a job where I was uh, I was a maintenance guy. And I'm watching I'm watching through the screen and I'm seeing this beatdown happen. I was like, come on, yeah, amazing. One of the better one of the better games I've watched on TV. Watching the Patriots just get absolutely blasted, thirty one nothing. My dad still talks about to this day because out of all the bad luck we've had, he was actually at that game. So every time we go back to the one moment where it was like, oh, like pure bliss. And then, so, you know, and then, of course, the one time they did it to the Patriots a couple of years ago in the, in the wild card was very similar. But yeah. uh, but it's a good point, Matt's bringing up, because that, that same year, Patriots would go on to do the exact same thing to the Bills later See, on. Matt, why couldn't you just let us be great for just a moment? Why'd you have to bring that up? Why'd you have to bring it up? Let us be great, man. And what was that? One of one of three victories against the, the Tom Brady during the Bills era? Three? Oh something like that? 31? Oh, that was a great victory. I mean, All I'm good. saying, by the way, though, is if you get a minute, each episode's like 45 minutes, and I just think it's very well done. It's, and and, and what awesome. I love the most, every time I watch something like this, Rico, I don't know why. I always think this. I don't know what how they do it. There's always footage you've never seen before of the games. Like, every game that's ever been played for, like, the last 40 years there's all these alternative angles and all this cinematic footage that exists that you just don't see. And it's just so awesome to watch it through that lens because, you know, we typically watch in the broadcast and whatever, which is fine in itself, but you just see it from a whole different lens. And when you go inside, like for instance, the other night they were like, they were basically talking about how you go and I'm wondering, and, and I can't, I kept thinking as I'm thinking about the bills and like, oh, like, you know, all it takes is this and that to happen. I, I immediately then think about the Chiefs. The Chiefs are embarking currently on what the first half of the dynasty was for the yeah, Patriots, right? Absolutely are. And if you watch this documentary, you notice right around this time for New England is when things really started to get tumultuous, where they had all, not only all these controversies. But the identity of Bill Belichick changed. The identity of, of Tom Brady changed where it wasn't. There was no set. There was no happiness being enjoyed from winning. It was either pure relief because you won and that's the expectation or utter failure, utter depression because you didn't do what you know you're capable of. They no longer would enjoy any of it. And it's that's what it felt like. Watch the beginning. Bill, and if you watch Bill Belichick in the early 2000s, he's got some spunk to him. Happy-go-lucky guy, for yeah, sure. It's pretty nuts to watch. And so we're about to watch. I mean, we're kind of watching it now. I think it's completely different, I, and that's why I don't think anything will ever be what that was. Because, for instance, they went and just – there was a game where they had just won the AFC Championship, I believe. 
And like their big celebration was Teddy Bruschi was allowed to play another one bites the dust in the locker room. That's how buttoned up they were. Oh like my there was God. No, like the, that was their big, that was their big um, ability to celebrate was just playing another one bites the dust in the locker room that they could of all, of all songs to choose, you choose that one. And that's, that's the one you choose. Right. Bill Belichick lets you have one moment to just relax. Bruschi is literally like, you have to find ways to, to get your fun in. And that was, and then when you're sitting there and you're like, this is what it is. This is what why they were the way they were. It, it, it was so militant. And that's why it all went away when Brady left because he was they I, I forget who in the documentary said it, but it was essentially like, you know, it was it was Belichick's team, but everybody listened to Brady. And he was the ultimate, you know, delegator of the Patriot way through Belichick. And that's why it's no longer really there anymore. It can't really, and that's why Belichick had to go. It doesn't work anymore. It, but the he, fact that it worked as long as it did. What if what it feels like, and, and I'm going to have to give it, now that you've, you've talked it up, I have to now go watch it. It feels like Belichick was, is what we, in, in wrestling terms, we call him the face. The face is like the people that, they, they, you kind of cheer for a guy like Belichick. But then he started, he won that first championship. And now he turns a little bit. Now he yeah. becomes the heel. Nobody likes that guy. He's the bad guy. Oh, yeah. It's other bad guys. And Tom Brady happens to be the bad guy. And now... You've seen it turn around where it's like Hogan. Hogan went, went from being a good guy to the bad guy, back to the good guy again. And that's Tom Brady. Tom Brady went to the bad guy and then back to the good guy when he went to the freaking Bucks. And now we're celebrating the freaking Patriots. Now, here's my question for you, big guy. Mm. So you're looking at these Patriots. There's such hatred for the Patriots. Do you still have the same hatred for the Patriots no matter how it looks, whether they're not winning now or whether they were the team that you watched whoop your team for 20 years, your whole adult life, you still have the same angst for them or it's kind of dissipated just a little bit. It's weird. It has definitely dissipated a bit. The main reason why is because I got to sit in person and watch 20 years of frustration be taken out on that Patriots team in that wild card game a couple oh, of years. Oh, yes. I don't know if that game didn't happen. I don't know if I would feel the exact same way today. There was something about that game in particular, the fact that there was a Patriots crew sitting behind us. Okay. And I mean, the fact that they drove from Massachusetts, that game Rico was probably with the wind chill minus 10 degrees. So they drove all the way up there, stood in that and watched the bills lay down one of the most impressive playoff performances in NFL history against that team. And it was just, it was pure. You can it was pure it. bliss. I don't even know how else to describe it. And it really helped put them in the past up until then. Cause even that same year, Rico, that's when they won against the bills in the win bowl game yep. where Mac Jones threw the ball like five times and they still won the game. So you were always thinking that there was going to be this black cloud that would enter over you when you played the Patriots because that's all there ever was whenever they came to town or you went to them. And it just kind of happened again last year. I was at that Patriots game where they won at home. It was one of their only wins of the whole year. But even because, even though that happened, right, my, my angst towards them has dissipated a bit because of that playoff game, but also in conjunction with my angst going primarily now towards the Miami Dolphins and the mm. Kansas City Chiefs. Really? I, have, I have grown an immense dislike <laughs> for the Miami Dolphins that I never had. And then, of course, the, the Kansas City Chiefs, because they have kind of 
taken that torch from the Patriots. They're the most similar version of what the Pats were to me growing up now, except it's much more, it's much more dire because the Bills were never playing for anything prominent during those Patriot years. So you could almost chalk it up as what would it, what would it have mattered if the Pats weren't doing that? The Bills weren't going to beat the Steelers or the Colts or the Ravens. It wouldn't have mattered anyways. Now, and Deion Dawkins said it the other day on his Vlad TV interview, and I think we've right. been saying this for a while. I certainly know I have. If the Chiefs were not the Chiefs, or even if they were in the NFC, the Bills would have at least, bare minimum, have a Super Bowl appearance to show for it. So it, that's why it's transferred, because I, I, I don't think there was ever an opportunity for the Bills to do what they've done under um, Josh Allen while the Patriots dynasty was going on. They have that opportunity now, and of course, that dynasty has now transitioned to another team, but the Bills are in position to do what they are meant to do, what we want them to do, but that team's the only one that's been in the way three of the last four seasons. That is so interesting that you've gone Dolphins-Chiefs uh, because yeah. I don't, and I I used to have, I never really used to have the hatred for the Dolphins. I just never Me did either. that because I've always known us to to take care of the Dolphins. I mean, there was a stretch where they they had they had a little bit of something on us, but it's always been the Jets. I've never liked yeah. the Jets, never will like the Jets. And it's always been the Cowboys. But the Cowboys, I've I've learned to kind of let go. I mean, they're not even in our division. They're not even in our conference. Um, but the fact of the matter is this. They've stood in the way. They stood in the way of us getting something. But the Bengals, Chiefs, and Jets, right now, those are the three that I just Bengals, good one. can't stand ya. I want I want to call like. <laughs> George can't stand. Oh, George yeah. stands, I can't stand, stand I can't stand the Chiefs. I can't stand the Bengals, and I certainly can't stand the Jets. And that's why I kind of, I kind of felt some type of way when Deion Dawkins went on his, yep. his, you know I mean, F these, F these kind of, F these cats. Part of me was like, I love it. I don't know how you felt about this, but I love part it. Of me was I love it. I hate the Jets, and because I I despise them that much, bring it on. But the other side of me is like, yo, why why do we have to do that? Why can't yeah. we just go about our business and just whoop their ass on the field and just keep it moving? But sometimes the the missing piece of of why football's so fun is the dislike for the other team. Bingo. And sometimes you need you need your 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 guy to to come in and and jump in there and and spark it up for you a yep. little bit. Spark yep. it up for you. Even Pierre was like, he was like, yo, why don't you just hate them? Just hate them and be good with it. He, he, he called me out. He's like, yo, you can't just sit on the fence and be like, ah, it's okay. No, he's like, hate them and hate them for you know what? I'm back on it. I'm I'm with Dion. Let's roll. And then every time they do come up to us, we whoop their ass and send them packing. Yeah. Get that rivalry back going again. But the Chiefs, Bengals, Jets, those three stand out to me. The Jets, the Jets are such a sorry franchise that I've almost had I've almost had trouble hating on them. That it's been so sad. It's been so it's it's been just such a train wreck. But I am in full agreement with you. I had said on the Dion thing, and mind you, and I and I'm aware of this. I always try to be. If I'm not a Bills fan, am I sitting around parading on behalf of Deion Dawkins and what he did the other day? Probably not. If I don't know Dion and I and if I don't if I haven't sat down with him with you and gotten a similar experience, would I feel the same way? No. I love the fact that he is who he is, thick and thick and thin, and that, and that to me is a dying breed. I think there's a lot of inauthenticity now with these athletes, and therefore you're never really getting – you're never really getting – 
anything of substance. And everybody's buddy buddy now. Yeah. So this bingo. Thank you. Because this is what I said. My first point. And this is really all the only point I, I I had to make to kind of this to me is the ultimate encapsulation of what has happened throughout my lifetime. This game has been and and for good reason, of course, it had to have been done. But this game has been eradicating the hatred and the bitterness between teams and fan bases and individual players. There were guys back in the day before free agency and early free agency periods that would, I mean, their goal would be to go out there and just ruin you. I mean, they hated you. They hated everything about you. They hated the team. I'm not saying it's got to be that. But now you got a guy like Tua Tungavailoa going to Patrick Mahomes 30 seconds after he just whipped his ass in the wild card asking him to do a jersey swap. I got a major problem with that. Wild. Absolutely wild. If Josh Allen did that, I think I'd come on here for three hours and just explode for about it because I, I can't, my mind can't wrap around it. I'm cool with these guys. Like when Allen and Mahomes did the match there and stuff, like I think it's all great. I think that there's something pretty cool about the fraternity of the NFL and these guys are, you know, experiencing that. And we see that with the old heads too, like Dan Marino and Jim Kelly are like best buds. So like, I get all that, but what we're not seeing now is what Dion just did. And that's why I love it. I'm not saying every player has got to hop on a mic and say, I hate this. And I hate that. Right. If it happens to come naturally and that's the way you feel and you have the stones to say it and not just be like, ah, no comment. I have to support that because it's a dying breed. You don't see it anymore. And it really fuels you up as a fan because the one, when I'm watching that, I'm like, Dion feels the way I feel. Cause I went on this whole rant about the fact that there's a lot of players in this league who don't care to that extent. They don't care enough to hate the guy across from, them. they don't care enough to hate the other team. They care about the dollar sign. They care about, you know, well, whatever's coming from my job, they care about their job. That's fine because to some people, the NFL is a job. And I, I said, a lot of us have jobs that we don't care about much outside of doing our job, but I have all the love in the world for the guys beyond the dollar signs, beyond the house, beyond the fame, Dion, every snaps for 17, right? Like he told us every right. snap it's do or die. Every snap, the legacy's on the line. I feel that way as a fan. And when you know some of your best players are out there doing the same, you can't help but love that. And if it comes across as a little, hey, you know, what's Dion doing here? Shirtless, sitting on a couch, ripping on the Jets. I understand if you're coming from that angle. But at the same time, I'm looking at it and I'm saying, man, we don't have enough of this. And when I get it, I'm going to cherish it. You know what? I'm 100% with you. It kind of reminds me of the Debo Samuels with CJ Gardner Johnson. Yeah, CJ Gardner said Johnson was like, you can't run routes. You're a running back. And I'm when I see you, it's on site. That's the type of stuff you want to see. So now it, what does it do? It puts rate. It's entertainment. It's, at the end of the day, it's entertainment, right? Yes, it's a job at the end of the day, but it's entertainment because now we are all tuned in to see Sam Fran go up against or Debo go up against CJ Gardner Johnson. So now we are going to be all tuned in on when Deion Dawkins is, is, is backpedaling. And if. If indeed Clements is out there trying to, you know, I me mean, handle his business, we're about to find out what's really good. But like at the end of the day, what it comes down to is this. And you you brought something up, and I hate this. Hey, can I get a jersey swap? Do that with a text message. Yes. And we can get that. To me, that is alpha male and a beta, right? 
And Tua just showed that he's just a beta. I'm the fan. Can I get your jersey, Mr. Mahomes? Yeah, yeah, I'll get you later. Oh, can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Imagine no, I, the no divisional way. Allen did the same thing. Oh. Like, imagine after Bass kicks that kick and you get the NFL films footage the next day and Allen's at the center of the field and he's like, hey, man, you want to swap? Oh, my gosh. I, I'd have a problem with that. I'd it have would a make me sick, dude. It would make <laughs> me sick. Because you want to know why it would make me sick, Rico? How in the moment is that where your mind is? How are you cognizant of that in the moment? How are you not so sick about what just happened that you just can't wait to get the hell off the field? I'm with you. Can't. <laughs> I don't know, man. I can't wrap my head around it. Well, my man Sam H says, yo, we need more bad guys, man. Dig said our team has too many nice guys. Maybe we do need you mean some guys that you know I mean that'll talk a little something and get things cracking a little bit. And uh I think I think we have there's a balance. You gotta have a balance, just like hockey. I don't watch hockey, but everybody knows that on your team there's a goon. There's a yeah. goon when you need to send that goon out to handle business, you do. Right. And every team has their goon. Now, I don't know who our goon is. I knew that back in the day. I mean, Milano quietly, I think. Oh, yeah. I just think no one. I don't know there's anyone in the league who hits harder than he does. So I feel like it's a quiet one. I don't feel like he's out there like talking the shit, but I don't know if that's what matters as much. I feel like there's the last guy on earth I'd want to get hit by on that team would be him. Yo. You speak, you say Matt Milano's name. I cannot wait to see Matt Milano healthy alongside Terrell Bernard. Dude, that bro. first couple weeks, they were on pace for some historic. Bro. It, that was nuts. You get those two cats out there healthy and Terrell Bernard going into his third year. Bro, is it? I, I'm just, sometimes I get all the, all, the, all the years mixed up. Second year, he's going to third year. I don't even know sometimes, but these two going into it together. With all the experience that Terrell Bernard earned this year alone, yeah, bro, it's gonna be nasty. It is gonna be nasty. It's gonna be fun. We just gotta make sure that I mean we field a team that is gonna be competitive. Because boy, Lord knows we got some, we got some things to fix. <laughs> no we doubt. got some, we got some money. Uh, we have to be what they call the league calls this is the word compliant. We have to be cap compliant. And what a segue. That we we we're about to to jump into. Um, are you listen? The league the league came out and said, "Hey man, we did so damn good with revenue. We did so damn good with pushing Taylor Swift and getting the Swifties to watch the game and give us numbers that everybody's getting money." I mean, Roger Goodell turned into Oprah and said, "You getting thirty? Wow. You get thirty mil? You get thirty mil?" So that really really helped out the Bills. And uh, in the presser this week, you had obviously Brandon Bean quite happy mm-hmm. because he was expecting to be around the 240, 245. And he says, even then, I'm okay. But now we're at the 255. Bro, I'm happy. I can make some things happen. So what say you? How do you feel about now Brandon Bean has some things to play with? I don't think he's going to have be, be doing too many splashes, but maybe we might get a, a splash maybe in free agency somewhere. Um, but Brandon Bean himself, do you feel that he will be good enough? And I can't say good enough. Do you think he'll make enough of a splash to keep our team competitive and not have to make major decisions? Or do you feel like there's a major decision coming and it's going to hurt us? I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a major decision around the corner as far as additions are concerned. I do feel like the vibe I got from him, and I don't think 
this shocks anybody, but the vibe I got from him at his presser at the combine the other day, it seems like to me, Micah Hyde is gone. I think I don't think that's gonna shock anybody, but it kind of seemed like that was the vibe I was getting a bit. Did you? Yeah, because someone had asked about the tandem back there and what right. the situation was, and he had emphasized how he had never really seen a tandem like that together for as long as they had been together, seven years. That's wild. And it is not that man. I know. And he was he said he said as such. He was like, you know, we have been spoiled rotten essentially because of the amount of time we've had with these guys um it just didn't seem like he ever put any certainty on the fact that both would be back i know rachel bush came out and basically said that poyer would be back but didn't micah hyde's wife take the instagram shortly after the loss and she had kind of given almost a farewell so i think that's not a shock to anybody but that's just one thing of note that i noticed and i feel like that's the one thing that brandon beans tasked with above anything this offseason and that's retaining guys more than I think it is adding guys the way that this cap structure is set up. Now, Micah Hyde is just one example. And unfortunately he's a guy who is on the older end of things now yep. injured frequently. And I say, unfortunately, because there's really been no better bill for these, for these Buffalo bills than Micah Hyde has been since he entered into Buffalo. What was it? Seven or so years ago. I mean, one of the yep. first guys that they bring in, to really start this whole thing. Yeah. And the, and he has been nothing shy of one of the best in the business since he's come in, but you're now watching a lot of this initial era kind of come to this door where they're either going to be able to be around for a bit longer, or they're going to have to move on. We're going to see this situation with Tredavious white. I believe we're going to see the situation with Poyer and Hyde, as we just mentioned. And then we also have guys that we never thought we'd have this situation, you know, come to fruition, but we're happy it is. Rasul Douglas, what's going to mm. happen there? Because nobody thought he was going to come in and be absolutely extraordinary for these bills. Uh, Daquan Jones, another situation. Leonard Floyd, right? I mean, no one thought Leonard Floyd was going to come in and get damn near double-digit sacks. So there's a lot on the bone already for these bills. It makes me wonder as I continuously think about what's on the team and what might have to be gotten rid of. It, it's tough to think about what's going to be added. The one thing I keep coming back to is this draft. The draft to me, this coming season might be the biggest of Brandon beans career. You're now watching on offense. If Gabe Davis leaves, which is all but assured at this point, yep. you can now bet on Stefan Diggs next team. Now, you know where we all stand. You know where we stand, folks. We don't think Stephon Diggs is going anywhere. But you, last, I don't think the, the fact that there's betting odds out there, it just goes to show you that this is going to always be a thing. Everyone's going to constantly talk about Diggs going somewhere else until he eventually does. Not that he's going to. It's just that that's where your wide receiver one status is currently at. Right? That's just what it is. Not to mention that. Last year did not end very well for Stefan Diggs at all. And there's a lot of people who are very frustrated with the fact that that is supposed to be the top option. Now, whether that's on him, whether that's the utilization of him, we don't know. I, I personally think throwing three, four slant routes to or three, four uh, screen routes to him a game, not the most ideal way to utilize a guy who is not meant to be put in that position. But what I'm getting at, is when you look at the fact that now Gabe Davis is about to be gone, we already have lost several wide receivers under Josh Allen, Cole Beasley, John Brown, guys that were cornerstones. 
Stephon Diggs in the situation he is now, whatever that situation is to you, you can have your opinion because God knows there's a million varying opinions about it. You're now looking at this offense from a weaponry perspective, now being completely reliant on a Khalil Shakir that no one thought would emerge into what he was last year towards the end. Dalton Kincaid, who I think we all know has the potential to be great, but has to prove it. And James Cook, who certainly had a great year last year and is going to hope to build on that. What I'm getting at is they have not added to the depth of this arsenal to where you now currently feel comfortable moving forward about development in the background outside of a couple of guys. That's where this starts this year. Mm. Because you're going to blink in this draft class. If we look at it, right, Rico? If a guy like James Cook needs two years to fully come on. If we're going to have to take that time two years from now, it could be drastically different than it is currently. We don't know what's going to happen. We're already losing Gabe Davis, who was supposed to be the wide receiver too, right? So this year to me, it goes beyond going out and getting the veterans at, at wide receiver. Like, would I love to go get a Calvin Ridley? I would, because I think they nice. keep him around for a while. A Mike sure. Evans to me wouldn't make sense from a dollar perspective or an age perspective. But if we can go out in this draft, and, and this is why the offense needs to be focused on so heavily to me, you're starting to see the consequences of not drafting early round offensive guys. Start, it's starting to come home to roast. And this is the year where I think you are going to have to really emphasize that in order to kind of cover up the tracks left behind in past drafts. And as we know, they have done that with Kincaid. They have done that with Cook, but they really haven't gone all in like certain teams have. I mean, look what the Packers have done before Jordan Love even took a snap, constantly drafting wide receivers, tight ends. They go out and have an incredible end of their season where that offense looks like it could be one of the best young offenses in the league. No one's done it better than the Detroit Lions, constantly adding. When they go out and get Jared Goff, all of a sudden, this team has some of the best young talent you've seen in the league on offense. The Bills have not put an emphasis on putting young studs around Josh Allen from the draft. Now, everybody's going to say, well, like Brandon Bean said, I wish we were bad enough to get Jamar Chase. I don't wish we or not that he didn't say I wish we were. We're never going to be bad enough to get a Jamar Chase is what he said. I don't want to be bad enough to get a Jamar Chase. But th there's a difference between having to draft in the top 10 and doing what other teams I find to be doing, getting guys later on that have been major impacts. No one knew Puka Nakua was going to be what he was going to be. Some things are luck. I get that. That's right. But the more lottery tickets you spend on that particular element of the team, the more chances you have to hit. And I just feel like the majority of these Bills lottery tickets have gone on the defense. We've seen it pay off. This defense has been great. But now, Rico, we're starting to see the signs be shown that the Bills are running out of options in that locker room offensively, and they are going to have to reload this offseason. So when I think about these additions, I, I almost forego the, the free agency idea because of the draft, the cap, the draft, or excuse me, the, the cap situation and the idea that I just feel like there needs to be more young talent here for the foreseeable future than these borrowed pieces that you continuously swap in and out each and every year. Well, and, and here's the thing, and everything you just said, and Brandon being hit, he's watching the Kansas City Chiefs. Right. Kansas City Chiefs were one of the younger teams in the game. Yep. And Andy Reid and Spags was like, I trust you guys. I trust the system. And if you guys trust me, we will get you where you need to be. And right now, 
how many years have we been saying, Brandon Bean, man, let these young guys go. Je Sean McDermott, quit freaking babysitting these cats and let these young boys develop. Quit coddling them. And like the last couple of years we've been saying that. Now, now that we got no money, now that we have 10 picks, now they're like, oh, now we should, we're going to have to hit on these picks. Motherfucker, yes, we are. Yes, we are going to have to hit on these picks. We've got 10 of them. Whether you use all 10, we're probably not going to roster all 10. But there's got to be some time where you've got to hit at least on your first three. Now, we have a defensive-minded head coach in Sean McDermott. And a lot of these drafts, we've spent a lot of our resources on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, for crying out loud, we went back-to-back -back defensive linemen, and one of them's not even on the squad anymore, right? So there comes a time where we now may have to switch the philosophy a little bit. However, I think what? Eight out of the 12 linemen we have on our on our roster are not locks. They're, See, they're that's, it's killing me. It's because you can't make the argument to not go on the other side because you, you got to address a million things over there too. Yeah, can't. But if you really look at the roster and you look at the offense side of the ball, there's only one position group that you really got to touch on, and that's the receiver room. I mean, that's it. So if you hit a couple draft picks and you draft a couple draft picks and you know what, we're going to develop these receivers, the rest of the resources free agency money that we do any splashes that we make it's got to go back to the defense sadly it you want to hit on the offense but where is it that you need to really the offensive line was the best it's ever been in a long time yes josh allen was one of the least sacked quarterbacks i think it was, he got sacked 24 times this year one of the least sacked quarterbacks all year that's yep. the best line we've had in a long time cybo mcgovern you got Deion Dawkins, spencer and brown spencer like the, the fact that guys came on that you wouldn't expect was so critical like Thank it was you. so huge that they were, I mean, you know how lucky they got that Spencer Brown ended up going from what people wanted to move on from to being one of the better uh, you know, pieces on this line this year. So you're right. Like it, it, it is huge. It, it is huge that they have, the, like they are lucky in some aspects, but certainly unlucky in others. We got the quarterback. Yep. We, we got the running back. A lot of people love James Cook. He what, quietly had 1,100 yards. I mean, you, you would think like, Quiet. okay, he had an 800 yard season. He had 1,100 yards rushing this year. Amazing. Yep. So you're going to build off of that in your third year. So your running back, check. Quarterback, check. O-line, check. Tight end, check. Hit on the receiver. We got a 20. We got the 28th pick. We have 10 picks. We may move up to get the guy that we want. Then all resources got to go to the defensive side of the ball. You got to do something. You got to. What are you going to do about Trey White? What are you going to do about the safety position? There are more questions on defense than there are on offense. So as much as I want to say, put the resources on the offense, ah, we're pretty decent it's just a matter of staying making the crew stay together making the crew develop together josh allen going into deeper into his prime years and now we just got to make sure that we we stay we stay relevant on defense because we've got a lot of questions and uh i don't know how many answers we have and that's where bean and mcdermott got to put their minds together and try to make this thing happen so we 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 as bills fans are fortunate because just the other day i'll tell you right but i'm gonna put something in your mind right now and you you tell me immediately where where your mind goes and how your heart feels right mm -hmm. i thought to myself man if we didn't have josh allen or we had to for some reason move on from josh allen or josh allen was no longer the team he says you know what i'm pulling an andrew luck i'm retiring oh my god how depressing would this this franchise be we'd have to start all over and try to find that franchise guy how hard is it that our team's vying to find the franchise guy and we happen to trade up and get it? And Brandon Bean said it himself. 
hey, man, you guys would have ran me out the building if I traded up and missed and yes. I wouldn't be here. But the fact that I admit that I hit. There's nothing really for us to talk about. I'm paraphrasing here. So we we have a grand opportunity with with Josh Allen, at quarterback. And I hear it. People are like, well, we're wasting his talents. We're wasting the prime of Josh Allen. I can't say we're wasting. It's just that we just got to tool this team, retool this team enough that we're relevant, but we just can't neglect the defense. We got to put some resources into the defense. We got to. A couple ways to coin that. One, just to go to show you how devastated I'm. Just I to remember think about it, where right? I was the most. I remember where I was, not only location, but the location within that location of when I saw Andrew Luck retire. I was oh. at Dave Matthews, Fiddler's Green, Denver, Colorado, waiting in line for a beer. I thought that this was some massive prank. I'm there with my buddy. I'm like, dude, Andrew Luck just retired. Couldn't believe it. If that happened, um, let's just say the Rico report and smoke break would probably they would probably wind up on on some sort of news station for um for 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 what for the for the show I'd put on uh, from an emotional standpoint. I, my life would be ruined. I couldn't even imagine. Now let's talk about what you said. And that is the fact that you have that guy. And let's just pretend that the most obscene thing maybe we've ever seen from a young player in sports. I mean, what Andrew Locke did was truly one of the most unforeseen things in the history of sports. No one, I mean, no one could have ever have fathomed what, what, I mean, they, they, they were one of the league's best and it's just done like that. Like it's pretty insane. So, so there's two ways to look at this. You know how they say, more money, more problems. Everybody knows this, right? That's right. If you are broke, okay, you're worried about putting food on the table and making sure you got a roof over your head. The bare necessities, making sure everybody's all right. That's what you're taking care of. You're not worried about the size TV on the wall. You're not worried about the family vacation. You're not worried about what kind of car you got in the garage. You're worried about making sure the essentials are taken care of, okay? And the essentials in the current NFL is the guy behind center. So you have to find every single thing possible to be able to get enough money to pay your rent, pay for food. Currently in the NFL, you don't have a quarterback. You got to do everything possible to find that quarterback. God, Why do you think the Jets just sold their soul for a damn near 40-year-old Aaron Rodgers, that's what this league is, folks. Now there's people who got the world at their disposal. There's people who got more money in their bank account than they do in their phone number, right? And that Bills, luckily, believe it or not, folks, the Bills are one of those teams with a checking account that looks like a 1-800 number. They are one of those lucky teams. But like we said, more money, more problems, because once you have that money, Nobody cares that you have the money anymore. They care what you're doing with the money. Are you investing it right? Are you blowing it? Are you making sure that that wealth is generational, that you get the most out of it? And these Buffalo Bills, I think, and I and I stand on this, damn it, because people want to say otherwise. They have done oh, well. They have allocated their resources well. Because they lose in the fraction of a second to Kansas City twice, three of four cracks, I can't sit here and say this team has wasted Josh Allen. They're going against one of the greatest teams in the history of the damn sport. Is it unfortunate as hell? Yes. 
But Kyle Shanahan will say the same. The Ravens will say the same. The Bills will say the same. Everybody will say the same because nobody in the AFC has won a Super Bowl other than the Patriots in how long? Nobody is capitalizing. The one team that made the Super Bowl during the Mahomes era that wasn't Mahomes was Mm -hmm. uh, Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, and they lost. Nobody has anything to show for it. So you can't tell me they've wasted him. It's just that you got one billionaire that is owning everything, and the other billionaires are just trying to find their, their piece of the pie here. And the Bills have had the biggest slice of the pie outside of the entire bakery that the Chiefs have owned since Mahomes came into the league. I don't want to hear it, that they've wasted it. Because I'm telling you this, I've said it a thousand times, they're one play away, as Josh Allen said. we got to make one more play to them. They haven't been able to do it. The Niners haven't been able to do it. Right. Nobody is capable of doing it until I see somebody do it and capitalize. Because before I get the Bengals fans coming in the comments saying, well, we've done it. Well, you, OK, you did it. What do you, you got to show for it? You lost to, to L.A. In the, in the championship. Your, your season ended the exact same as all of ours with nothing. So nobody's taking advantage of it. Right. So you got more money, more problems right now in the sense that you got Josh Allen and you have that. And there are 30, and let's say, what do you think, Rico, 28, 27 other teams that would probably sell their soul to be in the situation the Bills are in with that quarterback, I'd say. 100%. Right? 100%. But the problem is once you have it, then no one's going to, no one's sitting around like Rico saying, ah, hey, at least Brandon being drafted Josh Allen. Now it's, what are you going to do with Josh Allen? Who there are you, you going to get out there with him? Who's going to play with him? Like we're talking about with the wide receiver positions, right? So the problem is now is that you can't just sit around and be like, oh, Brandon, being great job, you got Josh Allen. It's done and over. Once you've made your money, now it's what you're doing with it. What are they currently doing to set things up for the foreseeable future? So it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a double-edged sword because on one hand, you couldn't be more elated and lucky to have a guy like Josh Allen. But once you have that, now it's all about what are you doing with it? And a lot of people feel like it's being wasted, even though I don't. But at the same time, even if it's wasted or not, these prime years are only around for so long. And I feel like you're currently faced with a situation where you are setting up the next chapter. They've had a great chapter here with a lot of great players. That chapter's coming to a close. And the next chapter is up, and they got to set up the characters for that next chapter. This is going to be the time in which we're going to start seeing this. And it's all a matter of whether or not... They make it happen or not. We know a lot of it has to do with luck, unfortunately, but this is where they're at. It it's it has a lot to do with timing, has a lot to do with chance. It has a lot to do with a, a lot of things. I mean, yeah. listen, I think this year I felt the most confident going into any season because I felt, all right, we got the defense to really do things. Trey White's coming back into his own. We're going to get these second-year players ready to go. Kair Elam, all these guys. I thought, okay, we got the tandem back. Jordan Poirier, Micah Hyde. All right, we got Vaughn Miller to potentially come back from injury. I mean, we we weren't sure what we're going to get, but I felt the most confident. But then when these injuries started happening, it just shifted everything. It shifted everything. So the offense was still the offense. We had to just make some tweaks here and there. We, like my man, Walter. Walter has been a very hard on the way that we've been managing this team and he says in four in the fourth consecutive year the team that's knocked out our bills had their most productive scoring game against our elite defense and at the end of the day go back and look at the roster and the divisional game aj klein was roasting marshmallows with his family in the backyard two days before he had to go and play against he had to face guard travis kelsey 
it was unfortunate. Like you were saying, Rico, like you had every reason to be confident. If that Absolutely. team had a full roster, we saw what they were doing. We saw what they did immediately after the Jets game. But then Milano went down and it was never the same. They rattled off three of the most dominant wins of the year, including that game over Miami, where they beat the brakes off of them after they came off a 70 to 20 win. And it never was the same after that Jags game, Rico. It was never the same. It wasn't the same. And this is why we and, and Walter's not wrong. No, he isn't. The facts are the facts. Defensively, we have fallen short to to, I guess, propel and and lift up Josh Allen with his performances because playoff when it comes to playoff, Josh playoff, Josh is, is pretty damn good. It's just the defensive side of the ball. We have not we haven't held our side of the bargain. And this is where Coach McDermott, Brandon Bean, y'all got to hit. And some of these older cats that you keep calling on, it, it doesn't help. And it doesn't help that we don't have money. <laughs> so we almost have to essentially run it back. But we, now we have to be selective and we have to be very good with who we bring on to bolster this defense and this offense and this whole roster all together. So, but I ask you this before we start looking at this roster and seeing where we can kind of find some tweaks and some retooling. Would you say, and I, I firmly believe I have my answers, but I'll see what your, your thoughts are. Going into what we call Sean McDermott's, what, seventh year, eighth year? Going into his eighth year? Holy crap. Has it been that long? Golly, going yeah. into his seventh or eighth year? This, this is, I think this is seven for Allen, so it would be eight for McDermott, right? Eight for McDermott. Going into his eighth year. What are we, are we, are, is there pressure on McDermott? And when I say pressure, meaning if he has the same results, when with with which ends up ha us falling short yet again in such a disappointing factor in a disappointing way are we are we prepared to say okay we're looking for a new head coach yeah so i've had i i i think i'm like this routinely where in the moment i'll feel one way and now i got a month later to sit around and and yep, kind of, of course put those thoughts into perspective. One of the perspectives I, I had from this past year, it was downright extraordinary what they did at, at six and six to win the division and get that two seed and come up about a play away from beating the Super Bowl champs in the divisional Rico. They had no business playing the chiefs at home in the divisional with the game on the line on the final drive. And if Allen doesn't get bumped by Chris Jones, we, we could be talking about maybe something insane here. They had no business being in that situation. And I think Sean McDermott had a situation put in front of him mm -hmm. where he had to prove that he was the man for this job or he was the reason things were going south. You're sitting at six and six with a perennial Super Bowl favorite, a team that had lost to Mac Jones and Zach Wilson. It made no sense. And it just felt like the whole thing was burning from within the house and the outside of it was going to cave in in on itself. And the whole thing was going to completely crumble in front of our eyes. And I think that in conjunction with the Joe Brady move, which of course was spearheaded by Sean McDermott, he has to sign off on that. He has to make the move. I think that what he did with that anemic defense, as far as injuries are concerned, making the midseason move that had to have been a terrifying move to make, all of these things were very impressive to me. And I think what they made out of this season was infinitely better than the direction it was going in because it really looked like this season was going to end probably the first week of December. 
And I think it easily could have ended in that situation. So you go into this season, I think you're infinitely more confident in him than you would have been otherwise if they didn't pull off a pretty miraculous feat in the latter half of the season. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Sean McDermott in particular, and then let's look at everybody else that's currently facing the same criticism because it's pretty hilarious how we all think it's an individual Bills problem until you look at the grand scope of things and you realize all these other fan bases are doing the same thing. And when you step back, it's pretty insane when you kind of when you kind of talk about it. There are there are there are San Francisco 49ers fans right now sitting around talking about Kyle Shanahan, whether or not he's the answer. We go from one week him being the offensive protege of our lifetime, potentially one of the greatest offensive coaches in recent memory to all of a sudden he's not a good enough coach. Why? Because Patrick Mahomes beats him. You go from Harbaugh being considered one of the league's best coaches, has been for a long time, Super Bowl champion, right? All of this. All of a sudden, everybody in Baltimore wants Harbaugh fired. Why? Patrick Mahomes comes in and beats him. You have now Josh Allen being questioned as far as how good of a quarterback he is, despite showing not only on paper, but through any eye test that he's been one of the best quarterbacks since he's entered the league. You have him in question. And of course you have Sean McDermott's reputation and his coaching ability in question. Why primarily because they can't beat the Kansas city chiefs in the playoffs. The common denominator is almost always the one team that has had the most success since they have started this run. And that's the chiefs. Everybody has the same complaint and it's, you can't get over the hump. You can't win the big one. No one else can either. Sean McDermott has is tied currently with Zach Taylor for the most wins against the Chiefs since Mahomes has entered the league. They are three and three with a winning record at Arrowhead. It's not that they can't do it. They certainly can do it. They have fallen two plays shy in two of those three games. It's almost impossible to count the AFC championship game in 2020. The Bills were not nearly good enough to go against the Chiefs that year. They were good enough the following two years, and it came down to inches, not feet. People say they want to move on. Who would you want to move on to? And I bet you that answer would be an offensive mind. Okay, let's go to Kyle Shanahan. Nobody thinks that anybody's better than him when it comes to that perspective. And he just had a very, very, very similar loss in the Super Bowl to what Sean McDermott had in the divisional two weeks prior. Almost identical type loss. So you want to go out and make a move here and make a move there. I'll say this. This defense has never been better. This defense has been nothing but extraordinary under Sean McDermott since he's been in here. You look at the NFL player grade or uh, NFL report card, which we'll talk about in a minute here. Sean McDermott rated towards the top yet again with an A. Mm -hmm. And he is considered to be one of the coaches in the league at the top as far as being the most trustworthy and the guy that listens to these guys the most. We can sit around and talk about what we want, but these guys in the locker room would not have bounced back the way that they did after that article came out about Sean McDermott if they did not wholeheartedly love the guy and want to play for him. That, to me, spoke volumes. And when I look at the body of work, yeah, does Sean McDermott have these moments that really leave you scratching your head? I would say. But so do all these other coaches as well. And I think when you look at the common denominator, you start to realize that this is what happens when there's greatness running through all these teams and they're making you sit back and just question everything because that's what's happened to everybody. I go back to that divisional game, Rico. I really don't know what the Bills could have done better. I thought they played the Chiefs extraordinarily. I thought for the most part that was probably the best competition the Bills, the Chiefs faced throughout this run here, and they still found a way. So moving forward, we we know a couple of things, Rico. We know that we know that faced with a very, very dire situation, Sean McDermott came out looking pretty damn good this past season. We also know that Pagulas love him and they have no 
no idea or they, they have no intentions of moving off of him. With all of that in mind, going into next year, the only way I could see us having this conversation is if the Bills have a season like they did this past year, but it ends the way we all thought it might. And that's over early December, late November, and there's no salvaging it. They end up going below 500 or right around it and miss the playoffs. Then maybe we have that conversation. Really? Other than that, I, I just don't see it. And I think people will be having the conversation amongst themselves. But as far as the legitimacy of it happening or not, I don't see it unless something pretty damn bad happens this coming season. Well, I see it. I see you it. Know. I see it because there comes a time where what's the what's the what's the saying? Shoot or get off the pot. Okay. Well, win or we'll find someone that's going to help you win. And this is the best analogy I can say. I could go relationship wise where, hey, you've had a girlfriend before. And this, I'm not going to go that. I'm going to go where we've all in this place have had different jobs or we've been in the same job before and you've had a manager or a supervisor uh, move on and another supervisor comes in. I certainly have. I've had really good managers in my time. I've had really good directors in my time. And there comes a director or a manager uh, that comes in and does all the good things as the last manager did. But this one's just a little different. This one makes certain decisions minor that affect the big picture. And right now, we have a manager that's really good, a very well-liked manager, but the manager keeps falling short at the same same level just can't get over the hump to get what we need for this company well there comes a time where listen man we love what you're doing it's just not working with the crew the crew's just not they're just not getting where we need them to be we may have to make a decision but i need you to get us over this hump and this is where mcdermott is you can't keep going and doing the same thing and then us bringing you back what do you think they did with andy reed andy reed great coach couldn't get it done with the eagles and they said fam you gotta go. And guess what? He's gone elsewhere. He's won. The Eagles have won as well. Sometimes it's not a terrible thing. McDermott knows time is ticking. You gotta win. You need results. And he's been the boldest he's ever been. Just this, just this couple last days, they said, he said, it's not a matter of if we win, it's when we win. I love so it. I like it too. It's about time you start dropping your nutsack and say, okay, we got business to handle. Because guess what? You don't talk like that until you know you got pressure on your ass. Pressure's on your ass, and you got to make it happen, because if you don't, you out of here. Now, this is a great a great way to segue, too, because we talk about how great he is and how solid he is. The whole organization feels that way, because report cards came out on the whole entire NFL. And uh, I don't know if you did. You, did you put anything up, or should we go on and, and share the screen of uh, the results? You had them up? No, no, no. I haven't, I haven't looked it up. I had I'll something else. I can pull them up real quick. I yeah, I, I, got, I got them uh, right here. These are always very, very interesting to me. And you want to know what's interesting to me is who was at the top and who was at the bottom. Very intriguing to me because uh -huh. it doesn't match up the way I feel like you might think it would. Um, Let's take a look here. By the way, the funniest aspect of this whole thing is the cafeteria grades to me. Like the Cincinnati Bengals have like the apparently the worst cafeteria in the league. They don't feed these guys. I guess they only get two meals a day. It's like one of the only teams in the league that does it. Apparently, um, See, I love the grades, but I'd love to get like like I'd like to get like almost like a mini docu docu a docu series on like. Yes. Following the team all season to see how coach interacts with his players. Hey, let's go to the cafeteria. Let's see what kind of food they have. I'd love to see like a docu series on showing exactly how bad it is. 
right? Almost like yeah. an undercover, like almost yeah, like, like kitchen nightmares with like Gordon Ramsay, but right. for the uh, yeah, yeah but undercover the, boss. I'm just a, I'm just a you know, man, another guy, but I'm just walking around on camera. But you're part of the staff, and you're and everybody knows. And let's see how it goes. All transparency and see how it really goes down. I'd love to see some of that because who's at the bottom, who's at the top. Very interesting. But let's let's look at that. Let's look yeah. At so it. let's go ahead and then obviously there's a bunch of different things here. We can look at the bills first here. So, uh, I don't know what I don't know. I mean, this is odd to me. Like treatment of families is interesting. The Cincinnati Bengals got an F minus. How is that even possible? I mean, are they <laughs> spitting on these people's wives and kids? Like, how do you get an F minus in this? The bills. Got you how. The game is over. Or or the the and, and families are allowed to come to an area. There is no area for family to come. Get back to the parking lot. I'll see you. I'll see you in the around back. Okay, hun. See ya. Right or locker room. They can't bring their kids in. There's. I'm sure there's a lot of things that doesn't that don't make it family oriented. Or do they give free tickets for your family in preseason? Or maybe they make your family pay. Oh, for that's a good point. Here are the four F minuses, Rico. Bengals, Patriots, Steelers, Commanders. <laughs> For family. Yes, for family. So F for family. <laughs> literally. Shout out my man Bill Burr. I, I I don't know how this is even obtainable that bad of a score. But apparently these four uh four teams and these other Fs in here, the Chargers and the Buccaneers, they are just terrible to the to the families of the of the players. Now, if I go back to the overall, they did a um they did an overall grading, I believe, Rico. And we'll we'll take a look at this. The overall grades, essentially, they take the average of everything. And this would be like your cumulative score. Okay. And let me just pull that up. Because like we were talking about a second ago, the, the top and the bottom are, uh, I think, more interesting than you would realize because I, I personally would have guessed almost the complete opposite and it's not the case. So here's the cumulative grades. Miami is somehow at one and the chiefs are second to last. I don't I get it. it. The bills are right near the top at 11. Uh huh. And they've kind of hung around there for a while now the, you can see it. With the, the Chiefs being this dirt low? I can totally see it. I, and I, I can more see why Miami is where they're, where they're at. I mean, let's look at the, the cities that, that are near the top. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Miami, Florida. You got to love Florida. Everybody, I mean, as, as crazy as Florida is, for those that do live in Florida, y'all know your state, your state is, is kind of crazy. All I hear is some wild stuff that comes out of Florida. It's always a joke. Uh, where state did this happen in? And it's some crazy dude or yeah. woman doing some craziness. And here you are. That's the state of Florida. But you got Miami. You got the Miami. You got the weather. You got the food. You got the culture. You got a state free tax. Uh, uh, dude, you can't go wrong. Miami, number one. I can. You're, totally you're, you're totally spot on. It's the factors I feel like outside of the team itself that probably matter the most in some of these. Life people. is easier when there's sunlight on no you. When you've got sun. It's great. But oh. here's the crazy part. Yeah. You go down to the bottom. You got Tampa. Well, we know why Washington's dead last. I mean, that's the most poverty-stricken franchise in the sport. It is pretty weak for 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 that squad. But then you look at number the what number two team, Minnesota. I, listen, I I don't know too much about Minnesota. I know it's cold out there. Uh, Green Bay, small market team, but that's a rich franchise, 
and uh, they they love their city. They love their team. They're going to treat. I mean, it's it's got a rich franchise. And then you got Philly. It makes sense. Philly shocked me a bit. I want to talk about a couple of individual aspects. Nick Sirianni, it felt like the team quit on him. Did it not in the middle of the year? Like that. Heck yeah. This is where a couple of things to me get odd. He was given an A minus. It felt like AJ Brown bowed on him. It felt like Jalen Hurts was the the leader of the team, not in a sense of every quarterback being the leader of the team, but almost like emotionally and like maturity wise. Like it felt like Nick Sirianni. I Nick Sirianni, if he was a coach of the Bills, I'd have a major problem with it. I, I, I'm not a fan. Very immature. Oh, you, you think he's too brash? He just does things I think are just so adverse to, to what a head coach should be doing. And it's not my cup of tea. And I just felt like he would be in a different position on here. Then he is Mike McDaniel. I think this makes a lot of sense. He him getting rated an A. I don't know how you don't like that guy. If, if you're playing with him, I just don't think that he is the type of coach that is going to get these guys to the physicality level that they need to be at. I think that we've seen that on display, right. but as far as likability is concerned, that makes a lot of sense to me. Same with Kevin O'Connell. I totally get that. The Carolina Panthers situation makes absolutely no sense to me because it just doesn't make sense. Frank Reich. They probably really liked him, and they just felt like, that's, Ugh. that's what I hate about it. It's like, I, who doesn't love Frank Reich? Like, it's right. a, it's, a, it's sickening to me that he got treated the way he did. I hate that. But then there's your boy, Shawnee Mick. Rico, right in the fold. <laughs> Shawnee Mick. Shawnee Mick right there with an A. I find it interesting, though, that guys that got can get an A. Like, Ron Rivera gets an A. Um, uh, Sirianni on the hot seat, A-. minus. Las Vegas Raiders, they must have taken this poll after Josh McDaniels. Must have been. <laughs> that makes no sense. Ain't no way. Pete Carroll canned. Um, we obviously all love Dan Campbell. So A minus. He he I mean, some of these obviously make sense. Sean McVay would make sense to me. Who's the worst? So yeah, let's well, I know for a fact your boy Billy B is somewhere at the bottom of this. Yeah. So Bill Belichick gets a C minus. Yay. And you wonder uh, why he didn't get a coaching gig. Honestly, I think that that yeah, does he get a coaching gig going forward? I don't know if he does, to be honest with you. I know people I were like next they were, year something happens. I don't know because you, you you take on Bill Belichick, you take on a lot of the stigma that follows him, right? Stern, and it's this is the Patriot way, whether it's true or not. Some people are saying, oh, man, that, that was never true, but there, there's a stigma about it. So and maybe he's too old school. You need to be yeah, someone that can it. relate to your players. But then if you look at that docu-series that you're watching right now, excuse me, the, the dynasty, mm-hmm. when, when Randy Moss was like, yo, I, I need you to come to my uh, my Halloween party. You going to be there? I love this that. brother showed up in uniform. He's like he, he was just up. He's a so, pirate. Yes. So maybe there is a side of Belichick. And maybe he becomes the Tom Brady. He goes elsewhere and he's smiling. He 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 gets rid of the hoodie and he's, he's all in. You know I mean cool new fit? So who knows? But I can't see. I don't. If he doesn't get a job, I'm not. I'm not surprised. I'm really not surprised. And well, the he's fact not going to get one this year, that's for sure. See. What I was told, or what I had heard rather, was that there are co- there are pl- there are owners currently with teams that feel as though the the last this coming season will be the last for their coach. And I know. I mean, to your sort of sentiment that differs from mine with Sean McDermott. Many people find the bills to be involved in that. And this is where the conversation then comes back to bill Belichick 
because I have heard he has been told, wait till next year. We'll have something for you if things go off the skids like we might anticipate the way things have been. Ironically enough, Rico, his team that, that he was supposed to go to was Atlanta, who was ranked dead last. Arthur Smith got an F minus, the only the only uh, grade lower than a C minus. That's humbling. I mean, that's got to be the biggest kick to the dick I've ever seen in my life. You, you are that low. Um, oh, but that's just strength. Wait, Rico, how stupid? We just spent this whole time. That was strength coach. I thought it said strength of coaches. How dumb are we? Let's go to head coach. What we've been talking about this whole time. Jesus, God. Who do we got? I still want to see who's at the end. Everything we just said. I thought it said strength of coaches. It was strength coaches. Jesus. But you okay. know what? It probably is around that area. Let's see. Let's find out. All right. Well, the Bills just I told so me, I me what I say about Bill Belichick, though. But go ahead. So do I. But I just, I don't know. Whatever. So the Bills still at, at an A. So don't worry. We weren't off there. But this makes more sense to me. Andy Reid, A+. plus, Dan Campbell, A+. plus, Kevin O'Connell, A+. plus. Mike McDaniel still sits there with an A. I don't get go. how Nick Sirianni got an A. It just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. But let's go down to the bottom. There we go. This makes a hell of a lot more sense. Josh McDaniel is a dead last. Uh, Ron Rivera, dead uh, close to last. Arthur yep. Smith. Yep. Bill Belichick. Is that a B minus uh, there? B minus. So better okay. than the strength coach, which apparently got to be some of the worst in, in town in New England, I guess. Uh, let's go to ownership. And the Bills get an A minus for that. Top owners are out in Minnesota and Miami. I like but it. You look at the things that I think matter the most to a team, and the Bills get an A minus in ownership. They get an A in head coach, training room. Um, Probably A. Is it that low? It's got to be higher than that because I know they love the training room. Oh, here we go. B plus. They love there the weight go. room. I think that did really well for That's the right. Yeah, A plus for the weight room. So the Bills pretty much across the board did pretty well. The overall grading, they ranked 11th in. And like you mentioned, Rico, there's got to be something baked in living in Miami to be up that high. There's also got to be something baked in for the being in Buffalo to be lowered. So the fact that you are 11 is probably a bit more impressive than it would be otherwise because it's in Buffalo, you know? That's right. I don't know if you saw there was a there was a bit Daniel Tosh did recently. He's a big Miami Dolphins fan. Remember Tosh.0? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he did a he's a big Dolphins fan. He did a bit recently and he said he goes, uh everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy sandwich. But you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know why Bill's fans started jumping through tables in the first place? So they could die because they live in Buffalo. It was, it was <laughs> so they can die. I want yeah. out. <laughs> so um, maybe that's got something to do with it, but the food cafeteria situation, Rico, this is the funniest part to me. How are you a billion dollar organization and where you fall flat on your feet is giving these guys food. I mean, these guys are like, who, what do you think the skinniest guy weighs on a team? What? two twenty? I mean, like these guys, are, these guys are men. Probably the punter. A buck so 80. 
The Bills, how did the Bills do here? They, I don't think they did particularly great. So the, apparently the food situation at One Bills Drive is pretty ass. Cause they I mean, there's only so much chicken wings you can eat, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're not bringing Bar Bill over there every day, or else we'd be way up here. But they're at a C. Not good. The Bills need to figure out the food situation, because apparently that's not up to snuff. But it could be worse. The Bengals got an F-minus in food. I don't even know, like, how that's possible. Well, I mean, Walter said it best. You think the food is since he's since he's bad. Wait till they pay Higgins and Chase. <laughs> They're nope. gonna be serving them school lunches after those deals. <laughs> it's gonna be uncrustable as an apple juice for the foreseeable future. Little, I had heard that they're too. one of they're one of only two teams, Rico, that doesn't give these guys three meals a week every day. They like pick and choose. They only do it one day a week on Wednesdays. So, like, if you're in there putting in the, the after hours, the grind, you gotta you gotta door dash it or you're not eating. Essentially, unreal. I mean, listen, these these grades are cool. Uh, it's it's nice. It's 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 a reality check too, right? You think you're a well-run organization? Yes, we're winning, Kansas City Chiefs. But there are some things that we could do internally that could be better, uh, including sure nutrition. By the way, Rico, nutritionist. The Bills were fourth from last at a D plus. Damn. Okay. So apparently, that's the that's why we freaking getting hurt all over. They're not eating well. Yeah, the diet situation in the food at One Bill's Drive is is pretty much uh, ass. I don't think there's any really other way to put it. No one seems to be liking that. But treatment of families, I mean, I guess we can improve on this a bit. I mean, a B, I'd like to see that a bit higher. I, that 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 I don't. I don't I probably, want to be there. I, that probably has everything to do with when there's storm time or storm days. What do they do with the families? Yeah, or, probably not a bad point. Accommodating in a way, who knows? Who knows how that plays out? But, but the, the these grades. Well. Are pretty cool, nonetheless. You got it. You got to give it to them, and it allows teams to look at themselves internally and yep. find out. All right, where do we succeed, and where are we not fulfilling I, our team needs? It is interesting, however, that these grades don't necessarily tra- translate to like how a power ranking would translate to, because obviously you see the Chiefs down low here, but like, um. You know, you got the Ravens were the one seed. They're middle of the pack. You got the Jags who didn't make the playoffs this past season all the way up here. Giants uh, the same at, at number eight. I'm shocked the Giants are actually this high. This is pretty uh, I I just find it intriguing how this all kind of lays out. And then you don't because these are the things you don't know about until you see something like this. Like, who the hell would know, Rico, that the cafeteria situation in Cincinnati is borderline hell? Like, I don't think anybody would ever know that. I actually want to know what the hell they're serving. That's what I want to know. Same. That bad. Dude, how could it? How dude? think about it like this. Have you ever had food that's so bad that you're literally like, I need to, like, actively complain about it? I mean, maybe a couple times in your life, right? Like, it's not a, a common occurrence. Are you are you a restaurant goer? Oh yeah. Food is the will you, like, yeah. Will you signal and send it back? Hell no. Or will she you, will will you just man up and say, you know what? I'm never coming here again. I'm gonna finish this meal. Which one are you? Which which person are you? We're about to have a conversation. Let's talk about let's talk about something that I experienced the other day. Okay. So you ever go and do trivia night? You heard about it? I've never done it. I've never done it, but I've heard about it. Don't do it. All right. So this is what you do when you're in like your late 20s and you just don't have anything else to do. You get a couple friends and you go and do trivia night. Okay. 
So we go and do trivia night the other night. And it's fun for about 10 minutes. But then there's people there who are taking it way too seriously. As they should. <laughs> and I don't know half this shit. They're, like, they're asking, like, who who's the lead singer? Who's the number one lead singer in the, um, like, what is it called? What are the, what are the Asian pop bands called? What do they call them again? Um, K-pop. K-pop. And I'm BTS like, yes, or something like that. Yeah. It, and it wasn't them. Like, that's the only thing I knew. Like who was the, who had the number one. And this is, this was a question. Who had the first ever number one song on the billboard 100. That was a non-binary man. And I'm oh, like, I don't know. What, I don't know <laughs> the, the sexual orientation of these singers. I, I mean, I'm not keeping up on this shit. I don't know. So I, I, we're just losing over here, right? But it, that wouldn't even be, like, that. that's just the tip of the iceberg as far as not doing very well in the trivia itself. The menu comes along, okay? This is one of those scenarios where if I had to give a grade, we're getting an F minus. Now that we're talking about this. All right. I tweeted it out. If you want to go look at it on my Twitter, because people have been having a field day with this. Six, six wings, 16 USD, six, six wings, wings, six American dollars. And the funniest part is that on the menu itself, it I'm literally not. says crudite, which is the fancy word for celery and carrots. So off. they literally put that on the menu. I've never seen anything like it in my life, dude. It was almost three bucks a wing at this joint. So that is a scenario that where I'm racking my brain where I'm like F minus, not even a shadow of a doubt. You paid for that? Hell no. <laughs> what you, would you walk it out of that Damn thing. We left. Because these questions were asked and they were like, what's the, what's the, uh, they were like, what's the mascot of Epcot? Like, how the hell am I supposed to know this stuff? No, I'm out of here. I don't get it. And then you add on top of it this situation, and I'm like, dude, we got to bounce from here. This is ridiculous. The fact that you did it, you can say that you've done trivia night, you had shitty wings, and you're out of there. I don't even know if you finished them. No, I didn't get the wings, bro. You think I'm spending that? I thought you did. I was like, there's no way you spent all that money on the crew today. Foot down. I said not a shot in hell. Get out of here. I'm justifying this. That is insane. So I guess, I guess I get it. But in your opinion, other than a couple of scenarios, could you imagine a a food situation being so bad that that collectively gets ranked that? Like, that's what blows my mind about this. There's no way. I can't even fathom it. I don't, unless they're like giving them food poisoning. I I don't understand it. Listen, Kevin, I thought he dined and dashed my soil. I thought he ate the wings. I thought he ate the crudite. Got the, the a non-binary question. He was like, I'm out of here. <laughs> Wipe my mouth up. I'm gone. I thought that's what you did. <laughs> I never that's the thing. It's like these questions, like I don't even know how they how they come up with this stuff. Like I and first of all, I don't know, even if you were like like the, like for that question, I didn't even know I never even heard of the artist before. Even if they were like, Who had this? Like like, like they're all trick questions. They're like, who had the number like who had four uh billion streams on YouTube or on Spotify first? I was thinking Taylor Swift. It was Olivia Rodrigo. I'm like, Who the hell is that? she's doing like, what those numbers. I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know half this shit. 
I'll you want to know what they had a question though that I got right? It was one of the only ones I got. Who did the Jets play during the infamous butt fumble? And I was like, oh, bring that thing over here. I got it. Who were they playing? Patriots. Uh, that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, man. Kim Bet says it. 50 cents a wing. Listen, it used to be less than that. Oh, I know. Those were the days you could really have a night. Yeah. Now, you paying like almost a dollar fifty a wing? Are you nuts? Dude, That's- go to my comment section. There's people going down memory lane about ten cent wings with the grandparents. It's hilarious. There's a joint down near me though, where my sister in law works. They still do the fifty cent wings, but it's only once a week. But craziness. It used to be like ten cent a wing where I used to work, like back in the day. Yeah. You just have to buy yourself a beverage, and we got you. Let's roll. Jeez, Louise, I'll tell you right now. But I'm gonna say this though. We've been we've been talking about how a McDermott this Ross do Josh Allen uh, the combine officially begins tomorrow. I think they're going to probably start with the Hoggies. Have you been paying attention to the combine? How you have you been looking at some prospects? Yeah. Well, Talk funny you bring that up because I got a quick question for you because I wanted to, there's one more thing I wanted to ask you about this because I just was made aware of this. Back to this report yeah, card. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, the Washington Commanders dead last. They've been terrible. They finally got new ownership, which they deserve. Those fans deserve it. It's a nightmare over there. That stadium's falling apart. Dan Snyder completely ruined that entire organization. Oh, buddy. And I think you see the outcome of this fall the way it does because of that. But luckily for them, they're on their way to finally getting some updates. What I was just made aware of, Rico, and I thought this would be interesting. We're we're gonna head over to BetUS real quick and take a look at um something that you can bet on currently at BetUS that I found to be very, very interesting because I was not made aware of the idea of this until very recently. And where the heck did it go? I just had it here. It was uh you can bet on BetUS currently, right now. At least I thought you could uh, a couple of seconds ago. You could have probably took it away. Well, they might have taken it away because I had it on my mind. But you, they were talking about a new name for the commanders. Apparently, they're going with a new name for the commanders. And they they're had the it again. I guess, but that's gone. But to back to your point, I just wanted to take a look at that real quick. But I guess not. One thing I did want to show you real quick on here, just because we were talking about it earlier. This is why I brought this up. Yep. Right now on BetUS, you can bet on Stefan Diggs' next team, if not the Bills. And I thought you'd find this interesting, Rico. The number one favorite is your brother's Dallas Cowboys. Which Get so out of here. Where Diggs' brother is. It's only plus 200. I find this list interesting because even though you know he's not moving on, this is how the betting market views where he would be best fit. So this is what it is, Rico. The Cowboys are one, and it's Packers-Saints. And my good God, could you imagine, Rico, the Chiefs are at number four on that list? Buddy. How much money would you put on that? I know I know you're a guy. You're a better. How much money no. do you put on that? Who would I choose? Yeah. I would. I think the Cowboys at one makes sense when you do think about it. I think that that does make sense. I also think the Packers is also a great option as well because they got the money and they got the, they got the young studs up there now that they're probably trying to get some veteran leadership around. That would make sense. Packers but I just, don't like to pay, so they may not even go that route. I, I think it. I think it's incredibly interesting that this is even on here because it just goes to show you. I think where the mindset is surrounding him. You know, it's not necessarily that he's going to leave, but it's just that they have the idea around it. Um, 
Well, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this, my friend. What if I told you that with Bleacher Report, I've got a segment I've got to do, and I've got to find a few destinations for Josh, for excuse me, for Stefan Diggs. You're As kidding. a Bills fan, they're making me do a video of well, finding you're destinations. Have to bring this up because here it is. Man. They got the whole thing. This is crazy. I'm like Walter's saying. Like Walter's saying, it doesn't make sense from a financial perspective. The only reason it makes sense is because you wonder if Stefan Diggs would go there because of his brother. Right. And they would just find a way to work it out. You have no idea. But also one quick more shout out to Bet US right now. By the way, link in the description below. You can get a hundred and twenty-five percent sign up bonus on your first three deposits up to twenty five hundred. Rico brought up the combine. Something really cool you can do on Bet US right now. You can bet on all of the combine events, Rico. So you can bet on whether or not like the um you can bet on the like the 40 yard dash, whether the fastest time is faster than 4.27 seconds or less than 4.27 seconds, which is even odd. I don't know what the deal with that is. I don't know how, what side you take on that. 4.2 seems pretty freaking fast, but uh, 4.2 is, is blazing fast. So whoever's yeah. going to be whoever you got to, you got to, you have to have an insider that knows someone that is unknown that could fly that's going to hit that 4.2. Yeah. But that's. There, but there's everything on here, so interesting. You can go and, and check that out. And and one other thing that will be on there eventually is that Commanders thing. We might go back to that later because I thought that was interesting. But uh, one more quick word from BetUS, and then we're going to talk about Combine because I know that's where you want to go. And there's, uh, to me, the most interesting thing about it is not necessarily the stuff going on in the field, but what everybody's kind of been saying this past week with all these interviews and whatnot, there's been stuff coming out. And we'll talk about that in McCole Hardman situation as well, which is interesting. One quick word from BetUS. BetUS, America's favorite sportsbook and casino. Live betting and racebook. We're celebrating 30 years with a historic offer. A 125% sign-up bonus on your first three deposits. Plus 10% gambler's insurance. Get started today. BetUS, where the game begins. So you were talking, Rico, about the combine. and You were asking about this, the individual elements going out on the field. I don't know how you are, but I feel like this goes back to the sentiment with the draft. It's the little things like that that I just don't – they don't matter to me as much as I think they matter to other people. And I think the best way to put it would be like the Tom Brady situation is the best example. Or like when you watch Josh Allen. You ever seen Josh Allen's 40-yard dash? Where it Terrible. Looks like, he runs like Moe's. It's like Forrest Gump like this. It's he, like you he, can't watch that and take anything away from the player on the field. That, that, that's how I see it. If, if, you're not, if you're a watcher of The Office, I'm a big fan of The Office, and uh, Dwight Schrute's cousin or whoever he is, he's got a cousin named Moe's. And Moe's, whatever they're oh, on the yeah, beat yeah, farm, the beat farm. <laughs> he's he's got his hands like this. That's Josh Allen running like Moe's. But yeah, um, you and I are the same. In and mm-hmm. we're not we don't we're not draft heads. No, we're not college prospect heads. Uh, we listen to the experts talk about who the Bills are, are looking at and who they have them mocked at. And I'll just touch on this. It's going to be a very small segment, but right now it seems as though, and it's popular enough. But uh, <laughs> Walter gets it. He gets it. Walter, you get it. No, it's um, dead on. It's hilarious. So it seems like the receiver is the, the position that most teams are looking at. And uh, it's a deep position. And the Bills are in need. You're about to lose your number two receiver in game mm-hmm. games. You've got an up-and-coming slot receiver in Khalil Shakir. And then after that, it is what it is, right? And obviously, you, obviously you got your man, Stephon Diggs. You need someone that's going to A, become the number two receiver, then eventually take over as your, your guy because father time always catches up with people. Now, right now, it seems as though the, the favorite or what everyone seems to be jumping on 
is Bryant Thomas Jr., I believe his name is, from LSU. Mm -hmm. They are looking at that guy to come through. He's about 6'3", 6'4", about 205, 210, can fly. And I, I found something very interesting. Uh, uh, Brett Coleman. I think it's Brett Coleman. Brett Coleman does a lot of breaking down videos of NFL videos, college videos. And uh, was it Daniels? J is it JC Daniels? Uh, who's, the, who's the quarterback for LSU? I think Daniels. All right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Daniels, you won the Heisman. That's right. So they were looking at the 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 passing chart on the type of plays that these guys do. And I, I caught a snippet from Brett Coleman's uh, video. It was hitches and go routes. And Brian, Brian Thomas, I think Brian Thomas Jr. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Yep. Go ahead. No, I was just, just going to say the full name, but Jane Dan is who you're referring to. Jane right? Daniels. That's it. Thank you very much. Jane Daniels. So yeah. this Thomas Jr. character. 60% of his routes out of the slot were go routes. Mm. So if the Bills go ahead and Thomas fall, Thomas Jr. falls to the Bills, look for Bills to be lighting up the skies with this guy right here because right now it's looking like he's a go guy. He get down there and go. What better combination to have with an underneath, underneath receiver is Stephon Diggs with a go route specialist in a young receiver at that, and Brian Thomas Jr., let's freaking go. That yeah. immediately spikes this offense to another level. What were we going to say there? PFF echoes your sentiment. PFF on Brian Thomas says he is one of a handful of burners in this class who can really stretch the field. There you go. Major part of why LSU's offense was top three in the FBS in passing yards per game, passing yards per attempt and passing touchdowns. It does say his route tree isn't di as diverse as a guy like Neighbors from LSU as well as projected to be the second off the board. But it's an element that I think a lot of people thought was going to be Gabe Davis's specialty. And we did see flashes of that. Let's not pretend like we didn't. We did. And Gabe Davis had some extraordinary deep ball connections with Josh Allen, but there was just no consistency. That's the consistency. Um, that, that's the factor to me that matters the most coming up here is finding this element of consistency where it feels like everybody's got their role. And you mentioned it. Shakir starting to feel like if I need an underneath pass, I mean, that dude was the most, one of the most sure hands in the league at the end of the year. I mean, Absolutely. he was catching everything that came his way. Love what we were seeing from him. We all know that, that Diggs isn't going to be the guy anymore that you're going deep route city with. I mean, that's just not his game. And he, he's been great at, I, I thought, what I didn't like the most about his utilization was it was too short, but his intermediate game is one of the best. It was just too short at times. I thought when they were trying to get him involved in the screen routes and stuff like that, it's not his game, but if you can get that over the top guy, that would be to me what they have been missing, what they could. What was that? You hear that? I have no idea what that was. Is that a but, hair? But here, and here's the thing that I like about this, this draft, this draft has so many freaking elements that you can add to. Yeah. Uh, your team if you want a route runner route run specialist which i i favor i love a good route runner speed isn't everything i know people want to say you know I mean speed kills and it, speed is everything because we had speedster and tj graham and he was an absolute bum capital b buns all right so you need someone that can separate you need someone that's got a, a diverse route tree i mean we just came from a guy that didn't have a diverse route tree and gabe davis and you saw how limited he was right mm -hmm. not a lot of separation and uh, and if he did get open, great. He made some plays, but there were games where he's just non-existent because you couldn't get separation. So we need someone 
that can get the separation, whether it's Brian Thomas Jr., whether it's Isaiah Worthy. I mean, I've got so much more homework to do, but look out for, I mean, we're going to touch more in depth with this draft talk because I'm not going to get into it because I'm not going to front like I know it. I'm still learning it as we go. But the receiver depth is massive this year. So it's it's so good that if we don't get the top guys, we may even be able to trade down, pick it's up some more picks and get some ballers in the second and third round. So you'll see. We'll see. And, and to that point you were making about stretching the field, another one that PFF has right around the area that the Bills are drafting, uh, Troy Franklin out of Oregon, another guy they look at to be a deep threat as well. I keep hearing this Troy Franklin name, man. So I got a lot of homework to do. We got a lot of homework to do. Because no I mean, once that draft time, time, that draft time comes, you already know what time it is, man. And we're that weekend is designated to draft. I talk. Can't wait. That's the, one of the best streams of the year. It's so much fun. It's the best. It is so much fun. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to bring on um, our our guy. I mean, he, he's been on the show uh, a couple. I mean, a couple times. I'm saying a couple times. He's been on the show quite a few times. And uh, we're about to get my man Carl Jones. Carl Jones said he'd jump in and and give us a hand in in talking draft. So we're going to get all that good stuff. But I want to transition a little bit because I mean, I don't know if you want to hit more on the draft or combine. If you kind of want to move away well, from one that. One last thing I was going to say, Rigo, is the Up main thing that's interesting to me about this draft is last year, it didn't feel like we went into the draft with any one specific thing. Mm-hmm. Didn't it feel like we were constantly wondering what it's going to be? I feel like this year, everyone's going into the draft with the mindset it's going to be a wide receiver. That's what makes yeah. me almost think it's not going to be a wide receiver. We were split. Uh, we were split on what the Bills were going to do. And then when we did, Kincaid were like, Okay, I, I heard that name. Okay, yeah. we can work with it, and and we're happy to go with it. I mean, this year, it's most likely going to be a receiver, but the question is, uh, where are we going to grab this receiver? Are right. we going to treat this this draft pick like we treated grabbing Kyrie Elam, where we felt like we panicked and we needed a corner? And uh, who was it that that got that was taken that we wanted? McDuffie, uh, all pro, McDuffie taken. Right. And all the big time corners were taken early in the draft. So we felt that we needed to panic and take the last graded first round corner. And we still haven't seen that from him just yet. So I hope we don't panic. I hope we don't try to jump in and and take someone that doesn't have no business being on our squad. I hope we're calculated. And it seems as though Brandon Bean seems to know that the urgency is here. I've got to hit and I've got to hit on not just one, but at least three to four picks. If we can hit on three to four picks, buddy, we're laughing. But the draft pick is a crapshoot. You just never know what the hell you're going to get. So yeah. we'll we'll see how that all plays out. But the one thing I do want to touch on, and I don't know if you want to touch on some more draft stuff. But no, that's good with me. Yeah, that's that's real. I mean, we'll get into it more. It's coming increasingly closer. Tomorrow's March already, which is nuts. Well, so we will get into it. Don't worry. Where the hell did it go? And by the way, I don't know. You know what date it is today, right? February 29th, my friend. Yeah. We're not going to have a February 29th for another four years. Oh my God! Is, is, is today is <laughs> leap day year, Rich? It's a leap. It's a leap day, man. It's the 29th of February. So this video, I mean, we're gonna have to really go into the archives and look for it. Oh, February 29th, 2020. It's gonna be actually. I think it's pretty funny. Uh, so yeah, man. Happy uh, February 29th, brother. Same to um, you. And I just had a conversation the other day with my father-in-law. Apparently, I don't know if you've heard this. They're they're getting rid of daylight savings time as well. They've been talking about getting rid of daylight savings time. So I mean, whether you get rid of it, whether you don't. I like I actually kind of enjoy the saying spring forward, fall back, so I can kind of get my bearings right back on track. Yeah. But, I mean, if we get rid of it, what you what's, what's be it? I don't know. But enjoy the 29th, I suppose, right? Yeah, enjoy the 29th. So uh here's the we're gonna play a little game there, Mr. Seabot. Let's do it. Are you ready to play a game? It's called it sounds very odd to say, but I, I mean this is what came on the top the top of my head. Touch it or not. Uh-huh. 
right. Touch it or not, there is man. <laughs> I'm sure you played that game before. Um, and we're about to jump into the um uh, let me let me set myself up self set, bleh, set myself up here and share my screen to the final. We're gonna jump folks and you guys can see the screen here one up mr Zibar. i don't see my screen showing up let me see there, what's we, out. there we are there we are folks are right, here here's the deal folks um we've got to manage this team and we're gonna we use that we're gonna use the spot track uh website here and uh let's manage the roster sir we are currently sitting and i'm using the 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 cap space that Spotrek has has provided us. So what happened though? Because the other day we after the McGovern restructure, we were at like thirty three million. What the hell happened in the in the in the meantime? Did they did they actually show the McGovern? Uh, I mean, I wonder if they did it. I'm we sure were at like thirty six something the other day. I don't know what happened. Now I keep seeing forty two. So I don't know what the deal uh, is. Maybe they made some adjustments. Yeah, this, Who this knows? Is accurate though. But let's work with what we can work with right now. So we are at forty two point eight mil. Are we touch? Are we listen? Are we touching Josh Allen's contract? Yay or nay? I just don't know how much longer you want to keep kicking it down the road because they've already done that once. He's our franchise quarterback. He ain't going nowhere. I know. I'm wondering. I'm wondering. Uh, isn't this coming year the year he's set to make just about the most that he's going to make on this deal in one yeah, small year? Forty-two mil or something. Like that, something ridiculous. What's it say right there? Forty-seven mil. Forty-seven. 47. There's your cap figure. Forty-seven mil. So what can we do? Let's let's look at how we can how can they oh, obviously the some bozo out in Giants land or excuse me, Chicago Bears, Bears land. My God. <laughs> Pierre, keep that off my feed. Oh my god. Oh, what like... the hell was that? <laughs> so some 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 individual. I'm not gonna call him a bozo, but that was a bozo uh, uh attempt to try to make I mean listen, off season, I get it. Oh, I get it there, is, boy, the time to do some stuff, but there's some things you just don't touch. And the Bears being uh, a team that will trade for for Josh Allen, excuse me, for Stephon, for, for Josh Allen, excuse me, not going to happen. But anyway, we have an ability to restructure Josh Allen's contract. And by mm -hmm. doing that, sir, we just saved a boatload, 17.9 mil. So it brings us down to minus 24 mil. So we'll call so it. You just click that button. What exactly did that, did that so do? What it did was that base salary, that Josh Allen had at four, that excuse me, that cap hit of forty-seven mil. It dropped down to twenty-nine point one mil. So where does it push it to? It just oh, it adds it to. And it, it, it just pushes it down years. the line. Okay, we pushed it down the line. We've given him a base salary, um, and uh, we lowered his is actually we lowered his base salary. So my curiosity though, Rico, this okay. is where it gets interesting to me. Is like we're now hearing. Dak Prescott is going to reset the quarterback He's market. What is it going like, to then, then to me, it's like, because I feel like Allen so far has almost been free in some instances. I just wonder, it, it gets incredibly interesting to me with the money owed. Like, there's going to come a point, right, where they're going to have to just, they're going to have to unload on him and he's going to have to eat the majority of the cap, right? But you're just saying, there, there's going to be a different day. Absolutely. We push that down because, I mean, he's going to be on the squad. When you restructure these guys, usually you're just kicking the can down the road. Sure. With that guy, you kick the damn can all the way down the road. If you have yeah. to restructure his ass or redo a deal down the road to kind of I mean, fix your cap, go ahead and do that. But that's your franchise. That's your guy. That's the face. Well, I'll say I don't think anybody be more willing than him. So I feel like that that's got to be it. That's got to be the way that they go. I feel like he'd, he'd always be in for it. So that, that makes sense. 
1,000%. So now we got Stefan Diggs. Are we touching that contract or not? Touch it or not? I don't think he's going to be uh, – do does he seem like he'd be willing to, to, knock, to knock money off of his deal in, in the way that things Listen, currently stand? I personally am not touching it. I'm not kicking the, the can down the road. Uh, there will come a time where we have to make a decision on Stefan Diggs. Uh, he's 31. He's going to be 31. 30, he's pushing 31, give or take. Uh, this is where you kind of let him either finish out his contract or down the line if we have to make a decision or we, we come to an amicable ending where somebody trades for him. Whatever the case may be, we, if we do right by him, we can do something. But as of right now, we could trade him, which I don't see us doing that, and, or we could restructure him. But I can't see us restructuring Stefan Diggs unless we feel like we want him to retire uh, a bill and he's going to stay with Josh Allen forever. I just don't know, but I'm not touching this. But let's go to the chat. Chat, do we touch it or not? Stefan Diggs is contract. Or it's do we amazing it that so? people must forget, including myself, that he's under contract till 2028. Like that, that, that's like, it's pretty nuts when you think about it. For the amount that it gets talked about him not being a bill. Right. I mean, we're in 2024 right now, folks. Like 2028, yeah. that's a... That, that's the most shocking element of that to me is that his contract ends in 2028. Josh Allen's contract in 2029. We want to try to keep these guys together. Maybe that's the, maybe that's the plan. Who knows? I mean, that, that sounds like a sound plan. You keep your number one receiver with your quarterback, call it a day. So I'm not touching this one. Uh, I'll leave it the way it is. What do you guys think? Touch it. Chris Matlock says, touch it. <laughs> he's a, he's a lifer. I just so, wonder about his willingness is all. I, listen, he might be. Listen, if he's saying I want to retire Bill, I mean, if that's really truly what you want, then then I can see it. Then you know what? So are we touching it or what? Well, go ahead and do it. Let me see what what, what I comes want you to say. It. Go ahead and what? Go ahead and touch it. Let me see. Hey. What the <laughs> go ahead and touch it. Let's go. So pause. By the way, <laughs> so let's convert that. So look at this. Look at the savings right now. So we converted Stefan Diggs' his, his cap figure. So his I mean, cap figure was from 27.8 million down to 14.6. So obviously we push money down the road. We're saying you are a lifer. We're keeping you until we see fit. And and obviously we see you fitting with this team for some time now. So we went from minus 42 million down to 11.7 mil. Under we're still over the cap, but we're we've made only two moves thus far. Here's Von Miller. 35 years of age, contract expires in 2028, uh, coming off of a brutal knee injury. He didn't come back to the Von Miller that we know, but we could see the Von Miller that we signed last, just a couple of years ago, return to form, but he's two years older. He's not the 33-year-old. He's the 35-year-old pushing maybe 36. With an ACL tear. Exactly. So what do you do? with a guy like Von Miller? Do you touch that contract and say you're a lifer as well? Or you're like, I, I ain't touching that shit. Uh, you are going to have to take a restructure in a way or take a pay cut. But do we touch this one or do we not? Well, in this case, let's, let's the options right the now for Von Miller are uh, we trade him, we either we actually restructure his base salary, or we release him. I, I don't think anyone's trading for him, and I don't think he goes to any other team. I think when he when he's done with the Bills, he's done. So, so do we leave the contract the way it is? Well, I think that if you're if he's going to stick around, why wouldn't he restructure it if he's not? If, I don't see the uh, I don't see him going to another team at any point. Do you? I can't see him going to another team, and if he, if we move on from him, I think he's done. Um, I personally am not touching his contract. I'm going to let it expire the way it's supposed to. Um, and let me just. Uh, 
look something up here for for Von Miller's uh, contract and see how it's broken down because uh, there are some things that folks need to know about Mr. Mr. Von Miller and uh, how his uh, his contract is constructed and how we can get out and and where we can get out. So let me open. So right now, this is the last year of his expire. I mean, we can get out of this deal. Um, and uh, the cap hit becomes 15 mil. I can take a $15 million cap hit to move on from that because the dead cap, if we were to move on from right now, it'd be 32 mil. So he's staying, he ain't no going doubt. nowhere. Right. So for, for Von Miller, he stays put. I'm not touching that contract. I think I'm going to leave it the way it is. Dion Dawkins. Now that doesn't give us a, an opportunity to do that because they touched this contract just yeah. last year. We're good. What are you doing with Tredavious white? This is yeah. the big monster. Yeah. Tredavy is white. So now I don't think he's, I don't think anybody's going to trade for him. Uh, I can't see us releasing him or maybe we do uh, because the money, the money has changed or we can convert his base salary. Now, so if you release him the money, it doesn't seem worth it to release him based on the, well, I'll tell you if we release him, if we release him and he's gone, we save 6 million. Oh, we say what? $6 million is what we save. I'll take that. I'll take that. Look, he's he's 29 years old, coming off of two knee injuries. Excuse me, a knee injury and an Achilles. Does he come back to form? I mean, he came back from an ACL injury and took two years to really get back to normal. And then, boom, there goes his Achilles. Now, people are coming back from Achilles injuries way sooner than they used to. So maybe there's some grace that Brandon B wants to give to our friend, Von, uh, excuse me, Tredavious White. So I go to the chat for this one. Do we touch this contract? And say, see you later. I'm cutting you. Or do we bring him back and hope that, you know what I mean, he can come back into form? But how long is that going to take? And are we willing to give him that money that he's that he's going to be hit? Because his cap hit was 16 mil this year. What does the restructure look like? So let me let me go back here. Let me uh let me add this player back. Okay, we're gonna add him back. So uh it doesn't give me the the ability to restructure. No, it's, right above you. it's right above you. Oh, there's there you go. So if we restructure him, it saves us three million dollars. So you're getting you're getting six if you release him, three if you don't, if you restructure. So to me, you're better off to just <laughs> release that brother and go. But I want to see what I, the chat I, is I saying. Think that they keep him. You think they keep him? But I definitely think that that he's the one. He's one that's getting touched. Okay. So I'm going to go, we're going to, let's, let's do this. Let's just, let's keep it the way it is. We save $3 million. We, we, we rework it. Cause I think, I personally think that they'll probably rework his, his deal where make it friendly for the team. Cause we don't know what you're going to come back. Like, let's have an honest conversation. Mm-hmm. Let's restructure your thing. And then we can make it incentive based and then you can earn your money back. If you can show us that you're the old Tredavious white, does that make a lot of pressure on him? Absolutely. But I think it's fair because I think they have a, a love, a love, um, not a, I think they love this brother so much because he was their first draft pick yep. out of out of the McDermott regime. How do you let that brother go? So you know what? I'm going to stick with this. I'm, we're just going to restructure him. We're going to keep him on yep. the squad, and we're going to restructure him. So that brings Tre'Davious White back, Rasul Douglas. We got to. I mean, he's he's come back. We got to do something with him. Christian Benford, Dane Jackson. Who knows what we're doing with Dane Jackson? And there's and Kyrie Elam. You got five DBs on the squad. So things to talk about. So right now we're at eight mil. Over the cap, Dawson Knox, one hundred percent. What are we doing, with Dawson Knox? You, you got to restructure him. You don't want to release him. I don't think that they'll do it. <laughs> Why not? 
Think about it. We got Kincaid. We just drafted Kincaid. Over 70 catches, over 670 70 yards. Let's see the difference. Do both. Wait, before we do both, what I need you, I need to put you on the spot. He's owed. Did you see what his cap number was? Yeah, $3 million for the backup tight end. Bro, you can't. You're touching that contract? Well, to, me, what? to me, it depends on what well, the, the, the difference in saving between releasing them and, 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 um, and restructuring them. What's the dead cap on the, on the release? Let's take a look. So right now, if we were to... Let's just say we released him. Actually, mm-hmm. let me, let's go to... Let's say we released him. So we release him. We save almost $6 million. No, that added money. That added to the... We were at eight. Now we're at 14. So it looks like we can't. Do that again. So uh, let's like, add him back to the roster. Yeah. Wow. So that's off the table. <laughs> so if we restructure and we mess around with his contract. Three million. We save ourselves 2.7 mil. So I guess this, it, it makes more sense for us to restructure him than to cut him. Listen, I'm not him. a cap guru. Why? So that's, that's how much of the dead cap gets. I mean, like it would have these- that much more money if they got rid of him. You saw that, right? Yeah, that's interesting. And let's let's put a caveat to everybody. We are not cap gurus here. We are just merely using the app and messing around and seeing how we can get to cap compliancy, right? So let us keep going. Matt Milano, I don't see us touching this guy's contract. I think we could keep it the way it is. Um, But if you want to have a look. But he's a lifer for sure, I would say. I would love to say he's a lifer. What are you doing with Ed Oliver? I mean, Ed Oliver, we just died. We we just we just did everything we needed to do with Ed Oliver. I don't right. think we need to touch him. Ryan Bates. Are we just releasing Ryan Bates and calling it a day? I could see that. All right. So let's let's release let's release our guy, uh, Mr. Bates. And we save one point four million dollars. Naeem Hines. I could see that as well. Let's release him. Guess what? How much we save? Four point six million dollars. Guess what? We are officially cap compliant. We are officially very cap little compliant. room to move. <laughs> Not a whole lot. I mean, we could we could keep him pushing by releasing a few other people. Uh, Saran Neal. I mean, he's a special team ace. I don't need. Re- I don't really think we need to touch anymore because right now we've we've earned the ability to be cap compliant. If we're going to release anybody else, there's only one person I'd probably release, and that's Demar Hamlin. And I know that we save a million dollars with DeMar Hamlin. So right now, the moves we have made thus far to be cap compliant, we restructured Josh Allen's deal, saving 17.9 mil. We restructured Stefan Diggs' deal, saying you and Josh are going to go and ride on to the sunset together. You guys are going to be that guy, especially with with Stefan Diggs until we decide, okay, time is up. We restructured Trey White, saving 3.6 mil. Restructured Dawson Knox. We cut Ryan Bates. And we cut and released Naeem Hines, saving us almost 4.6 mil, 4.6 mil. So we officially are just under a million dollars under the cap. So now it allows us to kind of maneuver with other people that we have to do, like Rizul Douglas and so on and so forth, that we can do. What does it look like if we don't restructure Stefan Diggs? So let me see if I can go back, if it allows me to go back to Stefan Diggs. So Stefan Diggs, so it doesn't give me the ability to reset and you do what the, I did. I think you hit the ad there. Yeah, hit that. Oh, so, so let's add. Okay, there you go. So right now, it puts wow, us that's to a massive difference. 12 mil. So I guess it does make sense to just, you know what, Steph, we you love you, buddy. But 
we got to restructure your ass. <laughs> we save a lot of money. 27 mil, bro. That's just that's, that's crazy. 27 mil. And uh, I know people want to get on Stefan Diggs' ass and be like, yo, man, you dropped that football. I mean, deep down and, and when we really needed you, I get it. I get it. And some people want to say he's over the hill and he's a, it's wild to me when I hear people say this. He's, he's a bum. Get him out of here. I just don't see it. I think he's still elite. I just, he, he just had a bad moment. Now his playoff play has to be better. Golly for $27 million that I'm paying you. You cannot give me four receptions, three reception games. Can't do it. Can't do it. I'm going to sound like Mike Singletary, man. Can't, can't win with you. I need, I need something from you. So this is where we stand for now, folks. I mean, like I said, um, myself and uh, Mr. Mr. Bot himself, we are not, you know what I'm saying? Cap gurus. We do not do this. Uh, and look at how we can save money and base salary, this and that. We're just playing with the old app and trying to see where we've become cap compliant. And we had to make six moves that probably Brandon Bean won't even make. He'll probably make six alternate moves in order to do what he's got to do. But I feel that he will do what, necess- what is necessary for this team uh, to, to get back on track. Well, he said so- at the combine that there was a couple moves that are close outside of the McGovern move. He had just done that one. And he had said, someone had asked if there was anything else he could announce. And he said, no, but they were moving in on a couple. That, w- that would be close. So, See, and now I think that one was, one of them was McGovern. And the other one, who knows? But he had already done McGovern. Someone oh, had asked done, okay, there well, there anybody you go. else to, okay. to, um, to announce. And they had said, he had said, no, but they were close. So, well, so I, I, I'm unsure, but we'll see. Um, this, is, this is where it becomes fun uh, to see what, Brandon Bean does. This is where this is this is his Super Bowl or this is his playoffs, right? This is how you build your squad and then you sit on your hands afterwards and say, okay, let's see how this all plays out. Right. So that's what I wanted to touch on in terms of that. But uh, a couple more topics I, I, we wanted to touch on before we get out of here. Uh, did you want to hit on that uh, McCole Hardman and the Jets fiasco? Yeah, let's take a look at it because once again, like I always say, every time I hear the Jets come up, it's never anything good ever. Every time you hear them come up, it is. When's the last time you saw a positive story come out of East Rutherford, buddy? Last time I remember has been bad. in Rogers, and I don't even know if you can want to count that as a positive. It's it hasn't been great. I'll tell you that much. It has not been great this these past uh, these past few days. So my, for those that uh, have been sitting under a rock and not understanding what's been uh, going on with Mister Hardman, he's been uh, candid. In, in speaking on the, I guess, his time in with the Jets, his time in with the Jets. And uh, he, re- he pretty much reveals here, and I'm, I'm looking for some snippets about what he, what he said here. Uh, they're allegedly saying that he is, has leaked game plans to the Eagles being one team. And I believe the other one was, um, what was the other team that he, he was revealing information to? Uh, it was the Eagles and some other team. Chiefs. I can't remember what it was. The Chiefs. the Chiefs. Right, to his own team, obviously. Which one of the teams they beat, which was the Eagles, the Jets beat the Eagles. Yeah. So how much of a game plan did you share with the, with the Eagles? And then, obviously, that Chiefs game that was much closer than anticipated, they, they lost to the Chiefs. So McCole Hardman is, is just under some fire right now, and he don't care. He says it. These guys had no plan. They had no plan whatsoever once... Rodgers went down. Once Rodgers went down, it was pure panic on the offensive side of the ball. Guys were just being individuals. They were just doing what they needed to do for themselves, and it's never really a team. So you can talk like that, 
when you've gone to the team that originally you were with and you just were one you have to you caught the game winning touchdown so he's feeling real mighty nice right now so Jets fans are like boy if if you do the punter of all people comes in talking ish you got beat out by a rookie so that's why you salty bro there's the a Jets lot of nice. stuff he had said he this was apparently all through a conversation with Ryan Clark uh, I, I guess this, this all came out from a, a podcast conversation with Ryan Clark. But the pivot, that's correct. It, he, it above all- the game plan leaks, he essentially said he called out the Jets almost like Deion Dawkins did in a way, except this is coming from an internal mm. the guy who was a Jet during the Hard Knocks series. And then, of course, goes on to be the the, the savior for the, the Chiefs in the, in the Super Bowl. But for instance, he had said, that he was completely checked out on the Jets and that there were points where he would just refuse, like he refused to return punts apparently in the Kansas City Chiefs game because he felt like their special teams coordinator had misled him about the job back in training camp. And when he was asked to go in and do it, he said, quote, I'm not catching for that man who was Brent, oh, Brent Boyer, the, the special teams coordinator. So he refused to do it. He said, quote, I was so checked out like it was over with. I had already talked to the GM of the of Kansas City, Brett Veach, and Patrick Mahomes and said, come get me two leagues later. He was traded back to Kansas City. Um, When he was asked why it didn't work out with the Jets, he said, quote, it's the lies and the way that they handled me. I didn't like it at all. He made it clear that other than Garrett Wilson, he felt he was as good or better than every wide receiver on the team. Probably not that far-fetched based on what's on that offense in, in New York. No doubt. Um, and then this is all via, uh, by the way, Rich Samini on Twitter, who kind of recapped this whole conversation with Ryan Clark. He also said that when asked on the Jets culture of last season, including that of Nathaniel Hackett quote, you just got a new offensive coaching staff. They came in and there's no standard there. Everybody does what they want to do. Granted, the defense has more of a stabilized standard with the coaching staff on that side. So the defense has a standard, but the offense is just like, well, we'll just figure it out. It's Aaron's show. Let Aaron do what Aaron does. Then when Aaron goes down, it's like, we don't know what to do that. I mean, you can be mad at that all you want, Anybody who watched the Jets game could easily come away with that same conclusion. When Zach Wilson stepped in, they had it was so blatantly obvious that Nathaniel Hackett was so over his skis with a team that anemic on offense that he it was so obvious he was brought in because he was Aaron Rodgers' pal and they were going to work together and Aaron Rodgers was essentially going to be a uniformed offensive coordinator with Nathaniel Hackett doing his bidding. I mean, that's kind of how it always seemed to me. When he goes down, it was so obvious. They had no answer, and it felt like nope. Robert Saul was thrown to the wolves time and yes. time and having an answer for it. And everybody's wondering, with all these offensive coordinators getting fired, right? The Bills getting rid of Ken Dorsey, the Steelers getting rid of Matt Canada. There was no argument as to why Nathaniel Hackett was still employed last season, but the only argument that there was, not that it was really an argument, but the only point that remained was, Aaron Rodgers is here. We can't upset the apple cart. And he's essentially the face of the franchise. Now he is the franchise now. So we keep him. And 
you saw the evidence, I think, in that. That offense was as bad as it could possibly get in professional football. But it, and anyway, it, the, the, the league, NFL fans kind of got robbed of seeing what Aaron Rodgers with a new team was going to look like, right? With Garrett Wilson, which is a baller, Brees Hall, which is was playing extremely well. The offensive line was shaky as ever. So they if they really want success from that team, they're going to have to do something. But when Zach Wilson came in, it was over. You knew it was over. Everyone knew it was over. They're not going to compete defensively. They're going to keep games close. But at the end of the day, they didn't have enough firepower on the offensive side of the ball. So we're going to see a year older from an Achilles injury. We're going to see very much how much the Jets do well. But McCall Hartman was like, nah, bro, y'all are a mess. And I'm glad I got out of there. And when he did, he wins the Super Bowl. He's happy. And he was talking his shit, man. He said, four out of five years, we've been to the Super Bowl. I mean, I think I know what a team is supposed to look like. And you can't fault him. He's right. He knows what a winning team looks like. And the Jets were absolute hot mess. But now so, people are screaming tampering, Rico, for him talking to Brett Veach and Mahomes while yeah. still employed by the Jets. That, that's what you call dress switching on yourself. Sometimes there's things like I like I said, we were talking about Dion earlier. I appreciate people being transparent, but I feel like there's some things you might not want to be uh, overly transparent about. I'm I'm fine with all the things he said, but like when you're saying that you're on the Jets and you're begging other teams to come get you, that's probably oh yeah, I don't know, not the Listen, greatest greatest luck. it's called dry snitching on yourself, man. He dry snitched, and now I mean, my, my, like Walter just said, whether true or not, most teams are gonna be looking like, yo, this guy a talker. He's talking a lot of junk. He leaves. Oh, it's very true. You know what I'm saying? So you got to sometimes in this league, you got to watch what you say until it's after. Cole Cole Beasley is the king of that. He waited till. He was he knew that he was pretty much done playing ball and now he was vocal. He's vocal, he's made his millions. He was vocal getting after it and uh, and that's the way. I mean, that's the way sometimes the league is played, man. Sometimes you 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 get in your feelings, you start talking and sound bites get clipped. <laughs> it's what, it's what it comes down to. I don't think he said anything he said was wrong. I mean, no. the, I, I knew how bad it was and you keep hearing more and more from the internal about how bad it really was. And yeah, I would imagine when you go from the Jets to the Chiefs, it's pretty damn apparent what's lacking in one place and not and, and what's what's thriving in another. And it, it, to me, the Hackett situation above anything else is the most blatant. He was hired for one reason and one reason only, and that's because of Aaron Rodgers. And when you get hurt four snaps into the season, that guy had nothing prepared for. Uh, an interim period. And when that interim period includes one of the worst quarterbacks in the league and an offense that isn't anything special to begin with outside of quarterback. And you, you know, tap on top of that, a new offensive coordinator that was really there for what seems like a pseudo job to begin with. I mean, Rico, what a nightmare. I mean, even jets fans don't deserve this. You know, listen, the, the jets were pretty much the student that came in prepared for the test and was ready to rock it. And the, the teacher was like, oh, by the way, the test that you said that I said were you going to work on, I flipped it. We're doing something completely different. What? <laughs> no preparation. We're about, to, we're about to bomb this test. And that's exactly what happened. They bombed the test all throughout the uh, the season. But, I mean, listen, it is what no. it is. We're going into the offseason. It's a new season. Everyone gets to start fresh. We're going to see a brand-new Aaron Rodgers and really see what truly he's made of. But will we have the Aaron Rodgers that we're used to or old, washed Aaron Rodgers? That is... We'll, that we'll see. I'm looking forward to it. Now, the interesting thing, Rico, about these league game plans is he was still on the Jets during those games. That's why the I don't Chiefs believe it. I, I don't believe that crap. I think that's bullshit. I think it's just, they're just talking junk. 
I can't see that. That happening. wasn't uh, confirmed. That was more speculated on from people like Sauce Gardner. Yes, Sauce Gardner. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know what benefit leaking a game plan would None. do, None. especially if you felt as a player you weren't good enough to beat those teams to begin with. But I will say they did beat the Eagles, and they probably should have beaten the Chiefs. Don't you remember? That was the game where Zach Wilson all of a sudden looked like he could play football again. Absolutely. So I'm saying they could have easily beat the, they beat the Eagles. They could have easily beat the Chiefs, and that was, those were two big games. But the refs got in the way, and there, there they have it. Um, but I we mean, do have some uh, – One quick last thing, though. Just imagine yep. you're a Jets fan. You got McCole Hardman doing all this after he just caught the game-winning pass in the Super Bowl. It's like, dude, can you dump any more salt into the wound? This is insane. It's like the Jets cannot catch a break the last year in, in its entirety. It's insane. I kind of I kind of like it because this is your time to flex. Uh, he's still young. So the fact that, I mean, the, I could see the Bills bringing in McCall, McCall Hardman just for, for some speed and so on and so That's forth. That's kind of how I view Calvin Ridley, who's a free agent. Like a guy who's not the biggest name under the radar a bit, but is young enough and talented enough to add to this. I could totally see Josh Allen get the most out of guys that aren't the best or aren't like these number one big household name guys. And that's what the bills are going to have to do. Cause that's where the money is and currently putting them in the position to do. This is why I feel, I feel they need to go all in on the draft and get your guy in the draft. Stop trying to patch work. Cause we saw what the patch we did to us the last year. Yes. Deontay Hardy, Trent Sherfield. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to call these guys bums, but they were just underwhelming. Well, they didn't even use them. Hardy was barely ever on offense at all. I mean, they, there was no utilization of these guys either. That's the other thing. And we have K KJ Hamler coming. I mean, we we just signed him to a futures contract. He's got speed. He's a smaller guy. But, I mean, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, maybe they give it another go and say, hey, we didn't utilize you as best we can. Deontay, Card Deontay Hardy, come back. Who knows how they're going to play this. But what we shall we shall soon see. We had some Super Chats along the way, by the way. Um, signified no's. Uh, when we, talk, we were talking about Tom Brady running the 40, he goes, man, he's on PEDs, man. You don't get faster at age 46 than at 22. With, uh, without help from Uncle Royd, <laughs> that's not that's not how biology and athletics work. But keep in mind, this this you're looking at a Tom Brady that's coming out of college that didn't nutrition wise. I mean, you saw his body; his body was spot on. A 46 year old Tom Brady is in infinitely better shape than a 22 better year old it's, Tom Brady. It's this just is what bad. it is. You can see it. The proofs in the pudding. Look at it. Oh yeah. Right? I mean, he's eating avocado ice cream for crying out loud. I mean, that's gotta be look at, dude, he looks like a different human being 1, than he did when he was drafted. It's not even close. So I, I, like, little, it doesn't shock me. That butt chin was fat. Like, I mean, he had a, his face was full. Dude. Uh, I'm not using his face and Giselle now because she's, she's, she's hanging out with the trainer. So that's uh, tough, man. <laughs> you know how it goes. Signified those once again comes in with a super chat. Appreciate it. it says, uh, that is the only playoff game I've ever been to. My dad and I went together, and it was a truly beautiful experience. I think he's talking about the playoff yep. game against the Patriots, where we just absolutely waxed them with the perfect game. A Watching us beat the ever-living piss out of the Pats brought me so much joy, and I think it brought everybody joy. No doubt. One of the best moments of my fandom. No, no question. That was just utter, utter bliss. Four hours of pure heaven. Walter had a question. He goes, I've questioned for years. But who's the high energy guy on the sideline on the defensive line that's hyping up the defense? I haven't seen that type of player since McDermott has been here. And I think it's because of McDermott. The hype guy on the defense. I don't think I, mean, either I would have to say it, the hype guy is Jordan Phillips. He's the he's your goon. He's your rile, rile your guys up. Uh, another guy is uh, Shaq Lawson. 
Mm-hmm. Jack Lawson is your, you know, I mean, your goon. Go go after it. I mean, they had some guys on the squad that can pump people up, but uh, I mean, those are the two that stand out to me immediately. Everybody else is just a quiet, do my job and get going. So, did you uh, see that Cole Beasley said Dak Prescott was the greatest leader he ever played with? People were, having, and I thought of you immediately. I certainly you did. Been see the that one now. that's been saying that Allen needs to be more of the in your face type guy. People were getting all pissed because they immediately took that as, oh, you think Dak Prescott's better than Josh Allen? People don't read into it. Everybody uh, gets in their feelings. I, I look at that question, and I wonder, I don't know if there's a rah-rah guy anywhere. But at the same time, you look at a lot of teams. I think that that's another problem currently right now for a lot of teams. I don't know if that's a thing. Like, I'm watching this dynasty thing once again with yeah. the Patriots there, and it's like the whole team is like that. Like, Brewski is like that, right? Tom Brady's obviously like that. Um, I don't know if that's as much of a thing anymore. I think a lot of these teams might suffer a little bit from that. Some teams do have it, but I don't know if that's as common as it used to be where you have guys that are literally in your face all the time. Maybe when Josh gets a little older, maybe, you know, when he hits age 30, 31, and maybe he starts to, like, realize, okay, holy shit, I'm on the back end of my career. All right, I got to start talking to these guys like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm vocal enough. I'm the guy now. I can say, I can start really talking my shit. Who knows? Yeah. It doesn't seem like it's a style, but you never know what the, how that's going to take place. I mean, well, I mean, he's what, 27? Lots of time. Yeah. He's got lots of time. Yeah, exactly. Scott Van Luke, Chicago Bears want to trade for Diggs, and Chicago will give the Bills cornerback Tyreek Stevenson. I, I haven't heard that. Really, I've never, I haven't heard that. I mean, I'm not even going to type that in, Scott Van Lu. But for you, I will type it in. I'm just going to put Bears. Well, Bears got Bears can essentially do whatever they want if they want to spend the money on it. I mean, they got an infinite amount of money to use. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, man. I have no idea what I'm going to do when they want me to do trade packages for Stefan Diggs. I absolutely I just don't disagree. think it exists. I can't believe you have to do that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the topic. That's the topic of the day. Scott, Scott's on. I I googled it, and the first thing that popped up was an uh, NBC article, and Mike Tannenbaum is the one who suggested it. Um, a mere suggestion. Okay. Yeah, he said. Uh, he said that would be a move he would make. Um, Tyreek Stevens and the draft pick. I'm sure. I'll Double say this: if, if a move was made, it would have to be from a team like Chicago who'd be willing to take on the financial burden that would come with it because they have the money to do so. I mean, it's not an easy move to make. It's very, very ironclad, and they'd have to have the financial resources in, over, in order to even consider it. Let's just play the game. They draft Caleb Williams. They trade their second pick. I think they have two top 10 picks, I believe. They give, they they give, sorry, they give, what is it, two top 10 picks that the Bears have? I think they have the first pick and the fourth pick. Jeez, is, is that what the... Yeah, they have Carolina's pick, so that's got to be, well, Carolina's the first pick, and then they have their own pick, and I think that's right there, isn't it? Now, it, might, it, might be, it might be higher than that. I'm not sure. Well, the Bears, that. let me just tell you right now, the Bears have the first pick, then they have the ninth pick. Oh, it's the ninth? Okay. So I was up. One, nine, and then they don't pick until the third round pick and the fourth. So that's that's the that's the order for the Bears. So if they gave us the ninth pick, I'm, I'm I can't believe I'm playing this game, but I'm playing the game, right? So they draft Caleb Williams, trade Justin Fields somewhere else. I'm sure they're gonna acquire something for Justin. They give us 
the ninth pick and whoever Jalen Johnson. I don't know who knows what they want to do. And they get Stefan Diggs. So you got Caleb Williams, Stefan Diggs, and DJ, DJ Moore. That's pretty nasty. I think it's a terrible move for them with, uh, with three top 10 wide receivers in this draft. Why would you not draft one to go along your quarter with your quarterback for the longevity of the franchise? Why would you give up a ninth pick and then take on an immediate financial burden when you can get a top wide receiver in the top 10, pay a rookie contract on him and also have him for the longevity of the, of the run with Caleb Williams. That, that doesn't make any sense to me. And from the bills perspective, what are you going to do? This is the other thing that people don't talk about. If Stefan, you can think whatever you want about Stefan. Oh, he dropped the big catch. Okay. I know he did. What, are they trotting out tomorrow if he's not on the team? They won't even have a wide receiver, too, much less one. What is the plan? Khalil Shakir becomes Randy Moss. Like, what do you want these guys to do? It doesn't make Unrealistic any sense. Unrealistic expectations. Unrealistic expectations. That's what it comes down to. It doesn't make any sense. They have no, there, there's no, there is no emergency relief plan for, for this outcome. So but I don't know how you could even like it's I, I don't know, man. It makes no it's sense. the offseason, man. They got the first and ninth pick. They they're gonna they're gonna figure something out. I'm sure they're gonna trade out of the first pick. You never know. Right now they're playing the game right now. Whether will they trade Justin Fields? Will they not? Will they trade down? Who's gonna give up what? So they're they're gonna probably build around Justin Fields, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, one question before I get I get get out of here because I gotta go feed the children. Um, <laughs> if you're the Bears. Are you keeping Justin Fields and building him around him with the first and ninth pick? Or are you trading down and try and build, excuse me, are you, are you tr- drafting, excuse me, um, Caleb Williams trading Justin Fields somewhere? I'm sure there's going to be a suitor, maybe the Atlanta Falcons, and acquiring some more picks and build around the newly acquired, drafted Caleb Williams and DJ Moore. And then now you've got a slew of picks. It's a really tough question. The one thing that makes me lean drafting Caleb Williams is because you reset the the financial clock. Absolutely. You reset the uh the need to pay Justin Fields. You start off on that rookie contract. You have a ton of money to spend in other areas throughout free agency. I just think that that might make the most sense in order to truly revamp this team. If you sign Justin Fields, I also don't think it's a terrible move because you're going to get, you almost trade the financial benefit of getting rid of him. You almost trade that for draft capital. So I guess it depends on how you see it because they should get, if they trade Justin Fields, they should get, um, or no, if they keep Justin Fields and then they trade the first, they'll have a ton of draft capital to come with that for sure. But it's depending on what, what they want to do. Do they want more draft capital or do they want more freed up financial assets to, to what do you, what's that to free up? You've got $80 million in the bank. Yeah. Buddy, spend it. Right. I spend think, it. I think currently if there's any question to me, usually how often do you get a chance to be in the spot that they're in? Right? Like there was part of me that wanted to keep Justin Fields just because I think with enough around them, they can succeed. But I also look at it and think, one, I get the financial benefits of getting the rookie contract for at least five years, right? Four years, and then whatever we do in the fifth year there. If it, and if it's a fifth year that you're willing to spend on, that means it's going well, obviously. Yep. 
But at the same time, um, or on the same foot, I also am wondering how often are you going to be in a position to choose number one? And how often is there going to be a guy, whether he turns out to be this guy or not, how often is there going to be a guy as highly touted as Caleb Williams has been? So you're never going to live it down. You can live down. I don't think Justin Fields is going to go somewhere and turn into Patrick Mahomes. I think everyone's pretty aware of that. You can live with him going somewhere else and doing okay. Right. You can't live with Caleb Williams getting drafted by another team and becoming one of the league's best. You can't look down. Bingo. This is where the dilemma, this is where the Bears are in a dilemma. You let, they've been talking, talking him up big time. But some people say, yo, he's going to be a bust or he won't be as good as you think he's going to be as a pro. Drake May is the guy that you want to go with and so on and so forth. So right. this, that's why these moments are crucial. Uh, and I think your guy, you love him so much in, um, in Colin Cowherd, was like everyone's talking about how great the end of the year was for, for, for Justin Fields, but his numbers were just, as, just the same as last year. It was okay. Poo-poo. Nothing great. So what exactly are you thinking about? Move on from him. Get your guy. And call it a day. And I think that's the right move for the Bears to do. Ryan Poles, don't think about it. Trade your boy. Get some capital. Try to build him up as much as you can. Make it look like you're going to keep him. But draft Caleb Williams and don't think about it. Run to the podium, draft your guy, and let's go. Right, and no one's going to ever look back and give you shit for it either because everyone's going to realize at the time that was the easy move. If you don't do it, that's how you get fired. And I just, from a GM perspective, there's no way you take that risk. You know what I'm saying? The the head coach, Eber Flus. Yeah, extends his time by another two years, maybe. Exactly. You know what I mean? Because if this this coming year, they're gone. Like oh. if Caleb Williams gets drafted and he looks like and he looks like CJ Stroud and Justin Fields has a mediocre year, you guys are kissing your jobs goodbye. Absolutely. So you got to find now. You got to find a destination. You got to big up Justin Fields enough to find a destination for him. The question now becomes where the hell are you going to send him and who needs a quarterback? No doubt. Right now, teams are having a tough time. Like Russell Wilson's draft trade is cold as ice. His his draft his his draft status, excuse me his trade his trade status is cold as ice. But we can get into it. But I gotta go feed those kids because he's gonna feed the kids. And he, daddy, <laughs> they gotta be starving. What time is it out there? Is it still the same time as here? Two twenty three. Three thirty over here. Three thirty. Oh, you gotta go feed them. They gotta be. Yeah, dying. yeah they're, they're hungry as ever. I get. I can All hear right. my kid. My wife just yelling up the stairs. So I know that's time. I gotta, I gotta go show. feed Caroline too. She's she needs to be fed. She's dying. Caroline. Over. He's dying over here. Listen, we just gotta go feed his kids. No, 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 no. Get Caroline back on the screen. Get back on the screen. Come here. I am proud of my guy Bot for what he did the other day. I'm still in my feelings about what he did with his for his dad, saying, "Dad, become my best man." I'm proud of you, Z Bot. I'm proud of you from a from a small OG to the young buck that's about to marry his beautiful bride soon. Yo, salute to you for what you did. You guys are gonna have an amazing time, and uh, I'm excited. We just, we just, we just wrote out Rico's save the day, did we not? Yes, we did. Yep, to, to Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Woodley Bellany. Oh, <laughs> my Mrs. God. Yes. Who the hell is that? I had to explain it to her. I was like, oh, that's, yeah. Listen, you just, you just put everybody's, everybody's on the Govy now. That's the exactly. Govy. So, exactly. Yeah, yeah, we're, we are excited. We're ready to go. So, uh, I, I'm trying to figure out, do I wear black? Do I wear blue suit? What's going on? What am I doing here? Let's just, go. just don't show me up too much. I know it's impossible for you not to, but I, it's not, it's not, not, not to the nth degree. You know what I mean? I love it. So, yo. Have yourself a great day. Tell your pops I said, what's up, man? Can't, can't wait to see them. And uh, we'll definitely keep in touch, buddy. Listen, folks, it's a it's the Buffalo Fanatics midday stream. How did you guys feel about this? Did you guys like this? Would you like more 
of your boy Rico and your boy Bot together in the afternoon. I kind of like this slot. I kind of love it. So if you don't like it, too damn bad because we're going to keep doing it. So how about that? Everybody in here, thanks a ton. Much love as always. We love doing it in the middle of the day because why not? Why not? Why not? It's the off season, baby. Right? Let's so much go. love. Appreciate you tuning in. <laughs> Peace. Peace. Go Bells. Z-Bot, I'm out, buddy. We'll talk soon. I got to go feed those kids. Go feed them. Yes, sir, buddy. All right, peace. And I got to go feed Caroline as well. What are we eating? All right. All right, everybody. Much love. Uh, And we'll catch you later on. Peace. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.